like we've passed go. It's Nescapades, a chronological journey through the North American Super Nintendo library. With a few pit stops along the way, we play them briefly, we judge them harshly, we rank them. That's pretty much all you need to know. I am Steampunk Link. I'm Emmy Zero. I'm I'm hunting you. I'm I'm creeping around, gonna snatch you and get that good Metroid juice out of you. Uh Sorry, this is the only week that's even going to be remotely relevant as as a, a reference. So I, I had okay. to do it here. But yeah, <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Let's get all these timely references out of the way. Squid Game. Froggy Chair. Yeah. <laughs> uh, hey, folks, we're, we're feeling pretty good today because uh, today we are we are celebrating a milestone here at uh, the Honest Piranha Studios which is totally a fancy studio. Um, I'm, I'm just enjoying this this champagne, which we just have on tap here. On yeah. tap champagne. On tap champagne. Nobody has yep. that, but we do. <laughs> yep, definitely. Living large. No, we have added 200 games to our list. Uh, there were about, you know, 720 some odd games officially released in North America for the Super NES. So we've we've gotten a, a good chunk of the way through that library. You know, not not quite halfway there yet, but we're, we're getting there. Not quite halfway there. We've had to we've had to skip a few because technical reasons, uh, the Super Scope game specifically, uh, which we'll have to, to kind of circle back around. And, and uh, you'll, you'll probably see a little bit of a, a hint of that in this episode, actually. Oh, yeah, we will talk about it. We have made it through a, a, a meaningful chunk of the library. And we have decided to commemorate that with this special episode. Yeah, you know, every time we hit, you know, another hundred games on the list, it's just it's wild to just look back at that and just think like, wow, remember when we were just starting out and there we had like less than 20 and it just seemed like we're obviously never going to get through this entire thing. And now, you know, whenever we hit another 100, it feels like, you know, we might actually pull this off. We might actually do it. It feels like a, a <laughs> believable goal that we can reach, uh, which is awesome. I'm, I'm happy to, to be on this journey. And I feel like we've found some really surprising games. We've found a lot of stuff that I've never even heard of before at this point. And, you know, it's, it's only going to continue. Uh, we're only going to keep finding cool, weird games that we didn't know about before. We're going to keep reappraising classics, uh, having to make some kind of sense of some really baffling licensed games. Uh, you know, it's all it's all in the mix and uh, it's really great for this special. We've lined up a series of guests of surprise guests, each one more surprising than the last. <laughs> probably No, we wanted to sit down and talk with some folks and have fun conversations with people about, you know, nostalgia and video games occasionally, though, you know, really, we just ended up talking a lot about nostalgia, a lot about Power Rangers, it turns out. Yes. Uh, and a surprising amount about St. Louis pizza. Yeah, that's my fault. Sorry about that, folks. <laughs> but yeah, we had some really good conversations here and we're we're going to unspool these for you and uh, we'll we'll jump back in between them. We really hope you enjoy this. We had a lot of fun recording this. All of our guests were great. Thank you so much to everybody who came on the show and, and talked to us. Uh, and uh, we had a we had a really good time with everyone. Big thanks to everybody who joined us, and we, we will thank them all individually as we get through these segments. So, without any further ado, let's uh, let's get to our first segment. So, we've got Andrew and Brandon, not Brendan, but Brandon from the Namely '90s podcast.
everybody, we are back, uh, and we are here with some guests from the Namely 90s podcast. We have Andrew and Brandon. Brandon? Not Brendan. Brandon? Brandon. B-R-A-N-D-O-N. Brandon. Okay. <laughs> That's me. I am totally His friends call him Brendan. <laughs> they don't. <laughs> no worries. How are y'all doing today? Uh, pretty good. Great. I'm on vacation and podcasting. Yeah. Woo! Uh, I don't have a job currently, so every day is a vacation for me. <laughs> uh, Involuntary vacation. I, I, st- I start Wednesday. I start well, uh, Wednesday. What, what, what is this new job, and what is the address of that new job, please, if, if you would l- let all the listeners know? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm just going back into winemaking and uh, helping out at a, a winery for Harvest as their uh, do-everything grunt. Uh, so that'll be fun. Oh, that, that sounds um, pretty awesome, actually. Yeah, going from this is wine bag here back down to uh, do everything is is um, it's work. <laughs> no, it'll be fun. It's uh, one of my friends uh, just got uh, bumped up to assistant winemaker over there, and um, uh, just thought it would be a good environment for the three of us to to work together for a harvest. Well, it sounds like you guys do have you know yeah. quite a bit going on right now. So we really thank you for coming on the show and talking to us. And, um, yeah, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's always cool to have somebody, uh, somebody new on the show that we haven't, we haven't talked to before. So we really appreciate you guys being here. Well, yeah, thank, well, thank you for having us. Yeah. Thanks uh, for your 200th game on the list. That's, uh, we're, we're proud to be here and, uh, Thank you also for coming on and uh, sending us some love when we had our one year anniversary special. Yeah, it was my pleasure. Um, You know, I I just started listening to your show probably a couple of weeks before that. And I was like, oh, this is fun. So I'll let you guys kind of talk about what your show is all about, though. If I could sum it up a little bit, your show is basically like a very, very much expanded newsy segment on our playing with power episodes. (laughs) Yes, that is actually a perfect way to describe it. Um, we call ourselves a comedy nostalgia podcast, and what we do is we um, focus on a month in the 90s, usually corresponding with whatever month it is, and um, we talk about, I'll read off what happened in that month, and then we'll pick and choose some topics to talk about in depth that we remember, uh, since we are two kids of the 90s, we were born in the late 80s, um, it's, it's kind of just a playground that when we were thinking of what to do for this podcast, Name Me 90s is our podcast, by the way. Um, we were trying to figure out what, what is something that both of us know and that like Andrew's a veterinarian. I was a winemaker, so it was kind of hard to just, uh, Not a lot of intersecting interests, you know, yeah. uh, with those two. Right. But, uh. No, but what we've learned is, well, one, my joke is that we use loose air quotes around the comedy part of the comedy nostalgia podcast. He's not comfortable calling <laughs> us comedians. Uh, and and that I truly <laughs> don't remember much of the 90s, it turns out, which is sort of ironic considering I'm supposed to know about the 90s. Which is fun since we, so we grew up uh, a couple houses down from each other. I've known him since I was two. He was probably three. And uh, so I'm able to remember oh, things wow. for him at times. <laughs> That's <laughs> very convenient. <laughs> yeah. Plus, I like to hear myself talk a lot. So that, that way, if he doesn't remember anything, I can talk more. It's a good <laughs> dynamic because you'll just talk about something and I'll have 
no knowledge of it whatsoever. And I'll be like, I forced you to play this. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You guys talk about a lot of stuff that I, I feel like is, you know, often fodder for our conversations when we kind of go on tangents about certain topics and, you know, through the course of talking about SNES games. I know you guys talked about like Nickelodeon shows in the past, which is very much my wheelhouse. I I loved me some Nickelodeon back in the early 90s. Um, I I think on a recent episode, you guys talked Power Rangers, which is another thing that is definitely up my alley, even though I think I was a little bit too old to be that into Power Rangers when it came out. But just to make you feel better, uh, I mean, when I started watching Power Rangers, I was the right age group, maybe even young. But by the time I finished watching Power Rangers, I was 32. <laughs> okay, well, wow. fair enough. Fair enough. I I haven't gone back to Power Rangers because I feel like it's one of those things where it's like, I remember a better show than what was actually on. Although I did really like that Power Rangers movie that came out a few years ago. The one that was like Breakfast Club with Power, uh, Power Rangers. I, I like the movie. I didn't like the suit design. The suits were weird. They were like aliens. No, I, I'm with you there. Yeah. Yeah, the suits were a little bit too much like kind of modern superhero movie, you know, really like padded out. Not great. But yeah, I, that movie is cool. So I, I'm curious, actually, what's your favorite like incarnation of Power Rangers past like the original like Mighty Morphin? Uh, do you have one? Me, I, I do. Well, I have a few technically. Um, so past Mighty Morphin, uh, I think Space was probably the best one of like that okay. original Zordon run. Um, right. And then post Zordon, uh, I really liked Ninja Storm. And uh, more recently, um, I watched the 35th anniversary Super Sentai series, uh, Go, Go Kaiger, I think. It's the Space okay. Pirate one. Oh, they, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. They based Super Mega Force off of. Right. Um, that was actually really funny. Uh, just just had to get that in there. I'm a, I'm kind of a fan of the weird uh, New Zealand series, like the ones where they they moved the production to New Zealand. So like suddenly the like the out of the suits um, like action sequences get strangely good because they have all of the like New Zealand stunt talent that used to work on Xena working on the show. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And one of the, I think like one of the first seasons they got like current talents, like Rose McIver was the Yellow Ranger. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, yeah. And the guy that's in Jessica Jones, um, he, um, he was the Red Ranger and like that, like one of the seasons is just like a star studded cast before they were actually. Because they were nobodies when, yeah. 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 I was never personally a. Power Rangers fan, but I am quite amused by the fact that Brian Cranston was the villain in one of the more recent ones. Or, or no, the, he was in Mighty Morphin. He was the voice of a villain, and he was Zordon in the the movie. The movie, okay, that's what it yeah. was. No, the giant face wall. Yeah, I I had heard that they that they named the character Billy Cranston after him, but I don't know if that's true because I've um. I've never, I never snoped that, but yeah, I've, I've heard that, that rumor before too. Yeah. But I, I, so I was recently watching something on YouTube called knickknacks where this guy is, uh, going through all of the shows that ever aired on Nickelodeon. And, and he had some reason to be talking about Haim Saban, who sounds kind of like a garbage person actually, but, uh, you know, yeah, he right. made power Rangers. So maybe that balances out. I don't know. But he, he brought the, the Japanese invasion for the nineties kids. Yeah. But he, they were showing some like very early prototype footage of like a, a power Rangers series 
um, that was not the original one and did not have even the same actors at all. But it still looked like they had given them all last names, including Billy, who was still named Billy Cranston. So I'm not entirely sure that whole thing about him being named after him was true. But I could be wrong. I, I don't know either way. But in any case, um, enough about Power Rangers. Uh, this is a show I just remembered about Super Nintendo games. <laughs> oh, sorry. Is this not an Amy 90s segment? Yeah. I mean, I guess it, I guess it is. I guess it is. But that... No, I mean, for our show. I thought we were recording for our show right now. Is I, I, forgot, I totally forgot we were guests on uh, SNES. The way we should have done this, actually, is for us to never mention the name of the show or why anybody is here so that we could both use the same segment and it would work. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah, we got we got to talk about this list here. I think we we agree with the list. I think the list is good. Except a good list so far. The only one I think we had identified as a problem potentially, or at least we'd have a difference of opinion is NHL '94, which appears okay. as number thirty-seven on your list. This is probably the one uh, SNES game that we've both played extensively and together. Yes. Um, it's high on your list. I, I acknowledge that it's it's now at two hundred, but it's it's sitting at thirty seven. I think as a as a multiplayer game, extremely playable and fun. Yeah, um, and uh, just seeing that like Sim City is at sitting at twenty six, Mario Paints at twenty eight. I remember those games being very cumbersome to play on an SNES. We just think it needs a little boost. Super Star Wars, was that the the super hard one? I I don't remember. That is the super hard one, yes. It's extremely difficult. And and then NHL 94, for me, has ingrained the EA Sports. It's in the game. Like, that for... Mm -hmm. I I feel like we are bringing some some childhood nostalgia feels to, to influence this, whereas you both have played it more recently. Um, but, uh, even, I think the other issue is when you have a game that's purely sports based, it, you can't really, it doesn't have a story. And so the games that are more story based that are somewhat compelling, it's hard to want to put a game in front of that, that they haven't had to use that creative process. It's, it's a couple of things for one thing, you know, and we've talked about this before when, when people have, um, you know, told us that we've got certain games that are a lot of fun to play or too low on the list. You know, with the pandemic and everything, we haven't been right. able to get together to play any of these really. So, unfortunately, we haven't been able to properly test out, you know, like how much more fun something is to player. We try to take that into consideration, but we don't always, yeah. you know, it, it's hard to just, you know, know how it's going to work. But also, we are both very much not sports people at all. Um, I, I'll watch a curling match on occasion, but that's about it for me. Uh, I, I mean, we, we're Seattle Kraken fans now. Um, yeah. Okay. But, uh, I mean, we we didn't we don't play much sports. Either. I wouldn't consider myself a massive sports we're, fan. I mean, we're right. Rocket League players. Um, <laughs> oh, that's like a sport. Yeah, you know, okay. uh, I get sweaty playing yeah. it. It's gross. <laughs> okay, um, that's all you need really for something to be a sport. I <laughs> yeah. think uh, your your heart gets racing a little bit. Um, you know, twelve year olds mock you every chance they get. That's like playing sports. Sports oh, ball. The lunch yesterday was a sport. <laughs> It's like <laughs> sweating profusely. Uh, that was funny. Uh, anyway, um, but yeah, I think I think the list overall is good. We just we had strong nostalgia for that mm-hmm. game. At, at least it's your highest rated, rated rated hockey game. So when we talked about that on the show, we were like, yeah, we recognize that this is this is a very good hockey game. Uh, it, it was just like you know the lack of um, actual like 
two player experience for us definitely made it kind of hard to like consider like the full scope of that game. Um, you know, it, it is, I think, pretty highly ranked for a a not just a hockey game, but for a sports game on the list as well. So we, we definitely did like it a lot. I just noticed uh, there's two basketball games right above it. Yeah, that's but, true. That's uh, true. I don't think I've I don't think I've played either of them. So I, you know. yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure why that would be. Uh, I think it's just because basketball is less frustrating because it's easier to score. Probably. <laughs> I mean, my favorite basketball game was probably NBA Jam for the N64. I mean, NBA Jam was the only basketball game that I played as a kid, really. Yeah, once we get to NBA Jam, I think that's going to shake up the the top of the sports list. I will say, like. Um, NCAA basketball is one that still stands out to me because I was very impressed with that one visually, like what it was doing on the console, you know, for the tech at the time was pretty darn impressive, I thought. But I do recognize that like NHL 94, I think, is one of those games that still gets brought up in you know the conversation of like all time great sports video games. We'll have a conversation about that one and we will figure that out. But uh, but anyway, so but before you guys go. We have a few more things. First of all, um, do you guys have any favorite Super NES soundtracks or favorite pieces of music from Super NES games that, that stick out to your mind? Or more in any game, if if, uh, if that fails, yeah. Well, I would say the Super NES was not a huge part of my life. We didn't have this console growing up, and it's not one that I... Uh, I think we have the ability to play the games now, but uh, I'm sure Brandon's got a favorite, though. Well, we just talked about it on the podcast like two weeks ago. Um, you said... Oh, the, yeah. The open world music from Secret of Mana. I forget exactly which one, but it's it's good. Oh, okay. And then uh, I think Ringing of the Bells, Kayla said, was the one you liked? I don't know. And then for me, like personally, there's all the cliche answers I could tell you. I own, this, I own a Super NES. Um, I enjoyed playing Donkey Kong Country. Uh, I do actually have, like, the bonus room oh, music yeah. was one of my favorites. But just, like, as a, as a non-standard Nintendo game uh, for the Super NES that I loved playing as a kid, there was a Tasmanian Devil game where it was basically just um, <laughs> Rad Racer, but with yeah. the Tasmanian we, Devil. We, we just talked about we this ju- like two, oh, just two, did two episodes one. ago or yep. something. So, yeah, we, we know that game. <laughs> oh, there it is, Tasmania. Because I, I also I did remember what it was called, but I, I, do, I, I, I loved that game. And um, I, I would, as a single child, I would um, just sit and play that for hours at a time for some reason. Probably because I couldn't get too far on my own, and I never got to the kill screen. My biggest regret. To go back to something you said, you can definitely play these. I, I guarantee. If if you think you can't play these, I, you can play we these. Just, I, we just we uh, just before we got on just to get into the mood, we played um, Super Mario Kart uh, through my Switch online service. Um, yeah, that was difficult. I, I'm pretty good at 64, but that was that was kicking my butt. Mm. Yeah, sixty four was definitely a game changer for that but, series. Uh, I I shared shared a story on our podcast where for Super Mario Kart, I never owned it, but one of our friends in our neighborhood did, and he let me borrow it. And I'm pretty sure I still have his copy of it. With my mom wrote my name on it because she thought it was mine. Uh, 
and it's just sitting in storage somewhere. So <laughs> sorry, Pat, if you yeah, hear this. He's just like still, right he's obsessing over it. He's <laughs> launched a nationwide search of uh, thrift shops and video game places. Yep. Can't find it. The good news is I'm pretty sure that one's quite readily available if, if, uh, if he wants to pick up another copy. But anyway, so one final thing that we want to do. Uh, so on your one-year anniversary episode, I suggested that we get together with a bunch of 90s podcasters and we just build our own 90s city somewhere. And uh, you guys countered with, uh, I, th- I think, the much more reasonable idea of just having a 90s podcast convention. So what I want to ask you, and in fact, what I want to ask all of our guests today is uh, if we could do a 90s podcast convention, which I'm not actually saying we're doing, do not actually, anybody listening, do not say that I'm, this is me committing to putting on some kind of 90s podcast convention. I'm not doing that. But if we were going to do that, and and this can be as as fanciful or as down-to-earth as you want it to be, what would you want your contribution to this convention to be? Don't don't get us wrong. We, We are down for the city. We were just trying to think like a world's fair type exhibit or disneyland and outdoor thing would be oh yeah no no fair, fair enough i mean yeah than, yeah than a city but uh andrew did you have an idea for what we would do uh wait so should i stop booking the convention center hold on no um <laughs> i i mean i think the fact that a lot of the people who are in a lot of 90s shows and movies would be fairly accessible <laughs> i think we could get a lot of people to show up to like do that thing they do it conferences where they sign things and do like a Q&A panel. Our specific contribution, since, I mean, we're like a survey of the 90s, so uh, we could probably host the like information booth or like the entrance booth. Like we, we would be your uh, aperitif uh, to your mousse-bouche for, for entering the, the uh, convention center. Um, you could hear me talk about Power Rangers ad nauseum. Uh, you could hear Andrew forget everything about uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, Secret of the Ooze. Uh, he has he has thoughts about the pizza. In the, in the I actually watched that whole movie oh, and made notes. so good. Really? God. Well, no, the, the beginning mean, with the pizza. The pizza. The pizza. That shot of the pizza. Ah, so good. See, oh. our argument was the very beginning of that movie, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, The Secret of the Ooze, is that the pizza was like soggy. very soggy and like at the first the first movie the pizza looked good the second movie okay. it, everything was floppy it didn't look like a good new york slice it looked like the the extra like they put glue on top of uh you know what? bread i probably need i probably need to rewatch that movie then because i haven't seen it in like 20 years the, and uh, well, i think when you're a kid pizza always looks good i'm guessing that i my my in my memories, it the looked pizza better. looks much it was better like than it was like five minutes of establishing shots of New York and everyone just eating like the super gross looking pizza. We could have super gross yeah. looking pizza. Yeah. Ugh. So yeah. that's that's what you could expect from us at uh, okay. our 90s con. Us just um, ruining your childhood memories. <laughs> and me forgetting all of them. <laughs> Inspecting all the pizza, making sure the pizza is up to snuff. Oh, yeah. it, it could just be a montage of us eating pizza uh, at our booth. Um but actual good New York slices. We say as Seattle kids. Yeah. A good Seattle, New York slice, whatever that <laughs> means. Good St. Louis slice. Does anyone have an opinion on St. Louis style pizza? Or am I the only one who even knows what that is? I wasn't familiar with it. What is St. Louis style pizza? Yeah. 
that's the pan style that's like um pop pizza hut right is that like is that that detroit no you're, i think you're thinking of like chicago style um st louis style is like really thin crust that is crispy almost like a cracker Ooh, i can get on board with that it, it's it's the domino's thin crust or they've they, they've kind of adapted it to to be like that. Yeah, yeah. nothing's kind worse of, than yeah. the generic Midwest pizza with that really thick, chewy crust that just doesn't. It's just not good. The ratio is all gone, all wrong. Uh, I'm championing Detroit style lately. Yeah, yeah Detroit, Detroit style. style is good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is the thing I love about pizza. There's so many different ways you can do it. Like you just think like, oh, it's it's pizza. It's like no, I I could do an entire YouTube cooking show that's just pizza and and never run out of ideas for episodes. Like. I think there are people that do do that. It reminds me of a story once we went to a pizza restaurant and the the guy made it and the whole bottom was burned. And my wife's like, this is burned. He's like, that's how they do it in the Neapolitan region of Italy. And she's like, it's burned. <laughs> I just, it's like, I want a new one. It's like, don't try to justify that. I just think that's funny. It's like, I'm pretty sure that's not actually authentic. Like, that's a pretty bad excuse. A lot of people know what Neapolitan pizza is supposed to look like. Like, yeah. you know, yeah. that's a fairly famous <laughs> yeah. type of pizza. It's just black. I'm like, mm, yeah. Uh, he probably just didn't clean out his uh-huh. oven. Yeah, I don't know. But he could have at least made up something like, oh, this is how they do it in the uh, the, the Sandusky, Ohio uh, pizza. <laughs> <Sandusky>. <laughs> The San Juan region of Italy. The Sandusky method, <laughs> obviously. Yeah. Right. right. <laughs> All right. Well, everyone, this has been Pizza Chat. Uh, I, I can't thank you both enough for being here. Um, you know, again, thank you so much for doing this. Uh, thanks for having my segment on your one-year anniversary show. This is one of the highlights. Absolutely. I appreciate that. That's very kind of you to say. Is there anything else you would like to say to the folks out there before we wrap this up? Uh, well, you could catch us every Monday for a dose of 90s nostalgia at uh, com slash listen. You can find Andrew and I uh, at, at Namely90s on Twitter with a 90S and at NamelyAndrew. If you want to argue that the pizza scene in TMNT2 <laughs> actually did look good. Um we have a Spotify playlist every week for our episodes, so you can listen to the our picks from the Billboard charts and stuff like that. Um, oh, cool. I didn't even know about that part. That's neat. We just started a few episodes ago, so uh, it's it's been fun to kind of add that as a supplement, okay. supplemental thing. And you could see our smiling mugs at um, namely90s.com slash YouTube, where I painstakingly edit together video for our podcast from time to time but every that is some dedication yeah we drop our episodes every monday and we love being a part of this uh 200th game game on the list episode uh thank you for having us yeah we had 200 that's a amazing accomplishment and uh keep up the good work thank you thank you very much and thanks again for being here Right, and uh, thank you again, Andrew and Brandon. And again, their show is called the Namely '90s Podcast. Look for it. I will. Uh, I will almost certainly remember to put links in the description for this one. So uh, look out for that. And uh, yeah, so fun times. I I like the depiction of Zordon as the giant face wall. Yes, that is good. Uh, that's a that's a good way to describe him. He is a giant face wall, definitely. Yes.
Yeah, we had a really fun conversation with them, talking a lot of old 90s stuff. Uh, Their show is a lot of fun. They basically pick a month from sometime in the 90s um, and then just talk about what was going on in that month. Kind of like, you know, as we said in the segment, what we do with the Newsy segments, except they go way deeper. If you like the 15 minutes or so that we spend talking about uh, the Newsy stuff, at the beginning of each of our playing with power episodes and wish you wish you could hear a show that is just that, uh, that is the show for you. And I want to say, I tried to find that very first bit of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles two to see, <laughs> going to, ask to, you about to that. see <laughs> if the pizza, uh, actually looks, uh, great or terrible. And I couldn't find it. I couldn't find it on, on YouTube. Uh, all I could find was like the opening fight scene where they save the pizza guy and then I found a lot of clips from that terrible, uh, the second, like, Michael Bay Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie. Way easier to find that stuff than it is to find the the very, like, the opening minute of Secret Abuse. Um, I do remember, like, the cheese being very stretchy. Which... Yeah, which looked great to me when I was a kid, but probably is not the way that it, it should be, actually. I, I enjoy a pizza with a good cheese stretch. Me too. I don't know if that's what I usually think of when I think of like a New York slice, like what they were saying. It's a good point that like a New York slice is kind of a different thing than what they're kind of showing off there. Though in fairness, the first movie features um, a lot of the Ninja Turtles eating Pizza Hut pizza, which I feel like they could get better pizza in New York than Pizza Hut. Yeah, even if it's not real New York pizza, it's a it's a step up from the Pizza Hut stuff. Like pizza in general was kind of a big thing. And I think like the Ninja Turtles were a big part of that. Like all of us growing up, like pizza is ingrained in our heads as being like the the ultimate party food. Yeah, absolutely. Captain Lou Albano, Mario would be, you know, like shilling for Pizza Hut in between, you know, commercial breaks or whatever. Um, I think like the instruction manual for TMNT 2, the arcade game on NES, had like a Pizza Hut coupon in the book. We cannot overstate how much the Pizza Hut marketing machine was just going in like top gear in the early 90s. I'm not sure because uh, I know that he's he's largely credited with uh, coming up with uh, the, the big marketing campaign for the Bigfoot pizza. But I don't know. Maybe we can thank slash blame Reggie fils for all of that. Oh, he was the, no. the Pizza Hut guy uh, who, who came up with a lot of Pizza Hut's like biggest marketing blitz stuff in the 90s. I, I definitely ate a lot of Bigfoot pizzas. I sure did, too. It was the thing that my school always got for the pizza party, because uh, you know what? You could feed like 20 kids off of, off of one of those things. We would get Pizza Hut for lunch at our school like once a week. Did you guys do that, too? I'll, I'll say this. We didn't do that at uh, the school I went to for most of my my elementary school years. But the first kindergarten and first grade, I went to like a uh, I went to a Christian day school, which my parents are not religious, but they thought it was like a good school and it was in the area. So we went I went to this private school. I don't remember much that was very Christian about it, aside from that we had to go to like um, like a church thing like once a once a week. But we always got. Uh, like some kind of fast food after that, you know, they would bring in like Pizza Hut or Taco Bell or something. So, yeah, I'm going to say I think there was a time at my elementary school where we would have Pizza Hut one day a week and we would have McDonald's one day a week. Wow. And 
parents must have been really mad about that. And in hindsight, like, yeah, they probably should have been. That's a lot of garbage. That is, yeah. It's a lot of garbage, for sure. It's a lot of garbage you feed, feeding the kids. Like, stuff's like a once-in-a-while thing. Like, hey, you guys are having a babysitter tonight, so just eat all the pizza. We don't care. But, like, like once a week for lunch, that's 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 a lot of fast food. Pizza. Pizza just, it just feels like a 90s thing, even though, like, it, it's timeless, but... It, it was really, you know, that partially thanks to just the Ninja Turtles... It was really in your face uh, for kids in the 90s, for sure. Yeah. Like if the Ninja Turtles are advertising it, like kids are going to buy gonna eat it. Yeah. A lot of it. And kids are going to eat it. Remember the do you remember the uh, I don't know if it was actually Hostess that put them out, but like the Hostess style Ninja Turtle pies. No, I don't. They were for some inexplicable reason filled with vanilla pudding. Oh, so these were like the Hostess fruit pies, but they were filled with vanilla pudding. Yes. Uh, OK. And they were colored green. Like that was what made them Ninja Turtles things, I guess. Is that you they know were what? Green. Actually, yes, I do remember these. Okay, uh, I I have the memory of the thing itself. I didn't remember that it was connected to the Ninja Turtles. I thought it could have been like a Ghostbusters thing or something. Oh, you but know, like, yes, it, I do. I do remember that. Yeah, it could have been one of those things where like it started out as a Ghostbusters thing, and then as Ninja Turtles took over, and the the they made the smooth transition <laughs> to yeah yeah like that's that'd be an easy thing to do. It's like hey, enjoy these high C ecto coolers. Oh, what's that? Ghostbusters yeah. and cooling board. Hey, enjoy the these cool high C mutagen bu- juice boxes. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, that's something could have easily done but anyway before we move on to our next segment we should also talk about their suggestions for the list uh which yes i think they really only had one but it was it was a it was a good one and they argued it they argued it well so uh, i think we should definitely consider it yeah let's take a look at that so there's they were saying we should move up nhl 94 which currently sits at number 40 on our list um quite a respectable place for a especially for a sports game Yes, definitely. Uh, given how non-sports we are as people, yes. Uh, so yeah, but but yeah, they they you know they talked a lot about um, you know how good it is as a co-op game and how it is just kind of like a, a defining uh, game of the, of the Super Nintendo for them. And you know that's fair. I think it's that way for a lot of people. We could definitely see our way to looking at where it is on the list and you know kind of what's around it and you know and seeing maybe it maybe it actually deserves to be a little higher. You were telling me before we started recording today how you felt about where it might go. Yeah. Um, tell me again what your thinking was about well, you know so, where this one should move. Yeah. So one of the games that they actually did mention uh, that is higher than it and that that kind of gave me a little bit of pause looking at it again. Uh, is Super Star Wars, which isn't a lot higher than it. It's at number 35. But I think that it is fair to say that Super Star Wars is uh, an extremely difficult game. Uh, it's a good game. It's It's got great graphics. It's it's well made. Um, but it is, uh, you know, it, 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 it is unapproachable in a way because of how hard it is. Uh, you know, it's it's very easy to kind of get a little ways into that and just be like, oh my God, this is like a wall. Like I can't get any further than, than, you know, this is like second boss or whatever. So, you know, I think given, given the, uh, the kind of just approachability of NHL 94, even for, you know, people like us who aren't, aren't really intrinsically fans of the sport and also, you know, the, the good, uh, it's, it's nature is a, a very, a very extremely solid co-op game. I can see an argument that, you know, 
NHL 94 maybe should go above Super Star Wars. So that was that was my thinking. What do you think? I think you're right. But here's my problem with this is that I don't think that we've got things like Hal's Hole in One, NCAA Basketball, which are right ahead of NHL 94. I don't think we've got those in bad places. I agree. I think maybe there are a few games you know, in, in this area, a little bit, you know, a few spaces above NHL 94 that I think could be brought down. Okay. Thereby kind of rising NHL 94. Yeah, up so, a so not just like inserting NHL 94, but actually like shuffling the places of a few games. Yeah, that's that's kind of what I'm thinking. So so here's here's the games I'm thinking. East three wanders from East. Super Star Wars, so East is at number 33, Super Star Wars at 35, and Super Buster Brothers at 36 could all kind of be grouped together, I think, in the same order, but move down below NHL 94. I don't think any of these are bad games, but I don't, you know, like, when I really think about it, like, East 3 is a cool game, but it's, even in its time and place, was really showing its age. Yeah, that's definitely true. I think Spanky's Quest is good where it is at 34 because I I really um, enjoyed that one a lot. I think, you know, it's, it's a simple little kind of puzzle platform-esque kind of game. Mm-hmm. But uh, I really like that one. You know, I think the, the difficulty of Super Star Wars and maybe, you know, Super Buster Brothers being kind of a similar kind of, you know, arcade puzzle platformy kind of game like Spanky's Quest. But, um, you know, a, a much older and, and simpler thing. Yeah. Than Spanky's Quest, I think all those those three games can move down a, a little bit. How do you okay. feel about that? I feel pretty good about that. Um, you know, I have thought a few times like maybe I maybe East Three is a little high, and I think your arguments for the other ones uh, make sense to me. Okay, so what that does now, we've got Spanky's Quest at number thirty three, Hal's Hole in One at thirty four, NCAA Basketball at thirty five, Tecmo Super NBA Basketball at thirty six. NHL 94 at 37, East 3 Wanderers from East at 38, Super Star Wars at 39, Super Buster Brothers at number 40. So, bit of a shuffle there, but... Um, bit of a shuffle. Yeah. I think it's good, though. I, I think this is this is a reasonable reappraisal of those games. Uh, they're still all quite high on the list, uh, but I think I think that, that, you know, this is a deserved yeah. placement. And uh, and hopefully moving up uh, NHL 94, I guess we only moved it up two spots, but hopefully that'll that'll uh, make Andrew and Brandon happy. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I yeah, and I, I think I think, you know, like I said, I do legitimately think in retrospect that it is a, a better game than than uh, specifically Super Star Wars, but but you know it, it it I think deserves its place above above these three games that we've now put yeah, behind. Yeah, I, I think so. so too. You know, yeah. I, I think they've all got merit, but you know they they've all got some flaws. I think East Three has just been there. I mean, all three of these were, have been here. I think since you know we we oh these these were all ninety two games. Okay, but East Three Wanders from East was a pretty early one in ninety two. And we've actually played a fair few uh, more action RPGs since then. And yeah, you know, East 3, good game. Probably not the version of this game that necessarily I would go to first. But I I do think it's good. And I think that, you know, it it deserves a high placement. But it is, we should probably recognize that it is kind of, you know, showing its age. All right. Well, uh, that will do it then. And uh, thank you again so much, Andrew and Brandon. Uh, Check out Namely 90s. And now we shall move on to our next segment in which we talk to one Kami Jace, 
who is the host of uh, of the weekly cooldown, as, as well as some other things that he's got uh, in the pipe for later. But uh, we will turn things over to uh, to Kami Jace. Hello, everybody. We are back, and we are here with Kami Jace from the weekly cooldown. Uh, as well as some other things, I believe, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, so, hi, I'm Kami Jace, I'm host of the Weekly Cooldown. Um, I will also be putting out fairly soon, depending on when this comes out, um, the greatest gaming game show ever. That is the trivia game that I also host. We're, we were on that, or will be on that, I, I guess. Yeah, I'm not going to give anything away, because, I mean, you know, that'd be... I'd be spoiling uh, what what I think is probably a great episode of that show, but uh, but yeah, I am really excited. That was a lot of fun to do, um, and I, I am a big fan of trivia and game shows uh, so much so that we're going to throw a few trivia questions at you later on here in the segment, which is v- very scary for me because I'm bad at trivia myself. So <laughs> I will trivia other people, but trivia in me is gonna like blow up on my face. <laughs> well, the good news is there is absolutely nothing at stake. So you don't have to worry about it. Perfect. I'm not gonna lose my life. No, no souls on the line for this one. Excellent. So Jace, tell me, what is your relationship with the Super Nintendo? It's very kind of in a way, triggering, I suppose. <laughs> um, oh, really? Okay. I'm sorry so, we had you on the show then. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, um, in, in a manner of speaking, it's also very... Uh, it's both close to my heart and triggering. So um, we had our Super Nintendo stolen on Christmas. Oh, so no! We actually never... Like, I, born a little bit later, never got to experience it. I did get to experience the Sega Genesis and the regular Nintendo, which was not... The Nintendo Entertainment System, which was not stolen, um, just the Super Nintendo. So we never got to really experience the Super Nintendo growing up. But um, after discovering (coughs) emulators, um, (laughs) I found that I could play all these old, you know, Super Nintendo games. And I played them on my mom's PC in our living room um, from, like, early 2000s until, like, honestly, 2011, maybe even later. Um, And I still kind of revisit some of these games um, on the Switch um, because I just, I really enjoy the Super Nintendo. It's, like, um, I think one of Nintendo's best uh, consoles, um, really, really awesome games, really memorable games are on there, and um, it's always it's always just been kind of close to my heart as the thing that I could have grown up with but never did. What other consoles did you have uh, growing up? You mentioned the Sega Genesis and the NES were those your your two primary consoles growing up. Yeah. So as a as a very young boy, I want to say until I was about f- five or six, um, that was what the whole family played, right? We played um, Chrysalis and um, the Super Mario Brothers 3. Um, on the Genesis, uh, my favorite games to go to were Streets of Rage 2, um, uh, 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 Sonic, of course, but then also we had a game called Forgotten Worlds. And every so often I think about this game again because it's like if 
Contra was on drugs. It's really, it's really, really weird. It's super obscure. I've only met like five people who know about it. Um, but it's so much fun, and it lives in my brain. And every couple of years, I remember it, and I go play it. And it's just, it's, it's a great time. Um, and then later into life, we got the PlayStation One. Uh, my first console like that I got for me for Christmas was uh, the Nintendo sixty four. And then later, the Game Boy Color, and those were my two. I was a Nintendo little baby boy. Did you get, like, Nintendo Power and all that stuff, too? Or No, we... No. So I was only interested in the ones, of course, that my friends all had. Um, and so that was the 64, the, the uh, Game Boy Color, later the Game Boy Advanced, and the GameCube, and pretty much every Nintendo console up until the Wii U, we did not get that. Um, but I did decide to get a switch and a 3ds and try to keep up with all the nintendo stuff because god knows i love me some pokemon and i need to have access to that at all times but you never got the the magazine no not often um i I did um get one recently though one of the older uh copies from i think 95 um through the video game history foundation i believe is what it's called Oh, yeah, because they're selling the, the packs of magazines, right? Yeah. 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 Uh, funny enough, I'm actually getting uh, some magazines ready to donate to them. So They're, uh, they're a really great um, uh, little group. Um, Frank Cefaldi, who runs it, was on the podcast, uh, episode 30. Oh, really? You had, you had him on your show as a guest? Yeah, 37, I want to say. It was a while back. Oh, that is so cool. Oh, well, I, I need to go back and find that yeah. one, then friend of the show i'd say but, uh, <laughs> but yeah we're uh we're definitely big fans of the video game history foundation mm-hmm. and i think we've shouted them out a couple of times for their preservation efforts on our yeah. show for for finding some really cool uh prototypes and just really neat ephemera from uh really really you know kind of historically meaningful ephemera from from the times that we're, we we tend to discuss on the show so that is extremely cool it is Something that I didn't really think about, right? Mm-hmm. Um, video game history. I guess no one really thinks about one the impact that it has just on people who play the video games, right? P- these are memorable pieces of media, um, and then also kind of the impact it has on like science, right? Like um, CG and being able to um, imagine all these crazy worlds and VR and all that stuff. Like we should preserve that kind of stuff. It's it's good. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. It's good stuff. I mean, our show is is kind of a history podcast, and we like talking about old stuff. Like, we just talked about a game called B.O.B., and apparently there was a, a sequel to that that was in the works at some point. And, you know, as I was doing research on that, I was thinking, like, boy, it would be really cool to be able to see what that looked like. But I don't, I don't know if anything any assets from what that game might have been existing. Uh, unfortunately, or... due to the early 2010s rapper who is now a flat earther, uh, it's kind of hard to find. The, the SEO for, for B.O.B. is kind of uh, kind of, kind of yeah. in the toilet at this point. So, yeah. I was going to say, I don't know how you possibly looked up anything to do with that game <laughs> try, while the rapper B.O.B. exists. It can be rough sometimes. I, I, just, I just hope that, like, you know, no, no band comes out with the name like, oh, hey, we're Donkey Kong Country. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, we're Super Mario 64. <laughs> Good luck, everybody else. Yep. 
Well, luckily, Nintendo is extremely litigious, so <laughs> that's probably not a worry. <laughs> Thank goodness for that. Yeah, that yeah. talking more about emulators. Uh, we wouldn't know anything about that. We play all of these Super Nintendo games completely legitimately. For our, our exhaustive <laughs> real copy collection of, of yeah, every yeah. Super Nintendo game that's ever existed. So yeah. Emulators is basically a cuss word, and I was under the impression this was a PG-13 show. Oh yeah, we will have to bleep. Uh, we'll have to bleep a lot in this one for, from that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'll have to get that that spin jump sound effect yeah. out. And, uh, <laughs> doing overtime today, but uh, yeah. All right, so do we want to get into some trivia? I just got like a couple of tr- questions here for you, um, including one music question that'll be interesting oh, to see how this works on Discord. But uh, let's do it. All right, here we go. Okay, so I don't know if you're familiar, I don't know if either of you are familiar with the old game show Video Power. It was on in like the, the mid-80s, I think. Maybe late 80s. You've told me about it, but I've never actually watched any okay. of it. So. Well, uh, basically, uh, kids would don Velcro outfits and play video games against each other and answer trivia questions. And whenever you won the video game competition or answered a trivia question correctly, you would get uh, something denoting how many points you earned uh, stuck to your Velcro vest, and then at the end of the game show, if the, the winner would get to run through their quote-unquote mall, grabbing Nintendo boxes off of walls and attaching as many as they could to their vests. That's amazing. And whatever whatever stuck at the end of the, uh, you know, once the time was up, they got to go home with, which was kind of wild mm-hmm. back then. Like, that's like a couple hundred bucks worth of video mm-hmm. games right there. I, I always thought like, oh, that'd be so cool to be on there. But anyway, so... I'm going to give you some points. I'm going to give you pizza points. points here for each of these. Uh, there's nothing at stake but uh, but these points. So Do I get pizza? I don't know if I can order you a pizza over uh, from across the country or oh. if I would even know like where a good place yeah. to order pizza for you would be. But uh, well, We can figure it out. Look, just order just, – just. Just, just order a pizza locally here and then, you know, pay whatever the fee is to have it delivered over there. That seems pretty reasonable. Even better. I will order you a St. Louis-style pizza in St. Louis and have it delivered to you over on the East Coast. There you go. We'll make this a just a, a completely cross-country endeavor here. The internet is so powerful. We could do it. Absolutely. Okay. All right. Here we go. So this one is for 10 pizza points. Ryu of Street Fighter fame due to many crossovers and whatnot, can fight a wide range of characters from across video games and other media. However, which of the following four characters can Ryu not fight yet? I say yet, because who knows what happens in the future. Is it A, Cole McGrath from Infamous, Mm -hmm. B, Simon Belmont from Castlevania, C, Kratos from God of War, or D, Lord Zed from the Power Rangers? Um, I'm going to go with A? A, Cole McGrath? Yes. Would you believe that is incorrect? Wait a minute. So, <laughs> he can fight, he can technically fight Kratos in Fortnite. <laughs> oh, shoot. I didn't think about that. I didn't think about Fortnite. Oh, Dang no. it, Fortnite. See, this is what I'm talking about. I'm an old man, and I, oh. <laughs> I guess I should have... Yeah, I should have. That's really funny. <laughs> There's no one that Ryu yeah. cannot fight, apparently. <laughs> oh. Yeah. I was thinking, like, hmm. 
who can't he fight? And I was like, I don't know who that first guy is. I can't remember who that first guy is, so it must be him. Um, <laughs> yeah, he's he's actually, uh, Cole McGrath, for some reason, was made a playable character in the PlayStation versions of Street Fighter Cross Tekken, um, for reasons Oh, I, God, really? Yes. <laughs> Bizarre. He and, see, I assumed he both he and Ryu were in that bad... Uh, PlayStation version of Smash Brothers that they made. Oh, no, uh, but but I guess not. Yeah. actually. Well, because if they because probably Ryu was not enough of, but they yeah. they probably didn't bother to get somebody as 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 iconic as Ryu for that. Game. Yeah, yeah, no, um, uh, yeah. So okay, so Kratos cannot fight Ryu in a fighting game. I guess I should have made that qualifier there. So yes. Um, Okay. okay, so that, that's on me. Shoot a gun at that, that one's that one's a wash. Then oh, we're off to a great start here, folks. <laughs> <laughs> I probably messed up at least one of these other ones too. For all I know, um, I'm excited for the rest. All right. <laughs> okay, here's uh, question number two for for ten pizza points. In which Final Fantasy or which is the first Final Fantasy game in which Sid is a bad guy? Is it Final Fantasy twelve, Final Fantasy three? Final Fantasy Nine or Final Fantasy Fifteen? Three? Final Fantasy Three sounds right. It's actually not, it was Final Fantasy Twelve. Final Fantasy Twelve oh. was the first one. Damn it. The only one I haven't played <laughs> aside <laughs> from three, I guess. Now are we when you say three, are we talking three three or three six? We're talking three three. Oh, okay. Because I played six. Yeah. Again, I guess I should have clarified that. You know what? I'm I am doing bad at this. <laughs> I uh <laughs> I mean, strictly speaking, in in three in the the game we got over here as as three, you know, Final Fantasy six, he is a servant of the okay. Empire, but he is a mm-hmm. good guy who helps yeah. you. So you know, yeah. All right. Um, so here's a question. This one's gonna be for twenty mushroom points. Ooh. And this is gonna be a music question. Yeah. The um, on the how pizza. well do you know old school Mega Man music? Ooh, not at all. <laughs> okay, well, th- this will be fun then. The good news is you'll you'll have four options. So Okay. All right. I'm so I'm going to um okay. So I need you to tell me which Mega Man boss from Mega Man 1 this is the theme music for. So is it A, Gutsman, B, Elecman, C, Iceman, or D, Bombman? Um, I'm going to go with Gutsman. It's Elecman. It was Elecman, I'm uh. afraid, yeah. Although we, we also would have accepted uh, All the Right Friends by R.E.M. Because um, it's the same song. <laughs> I know you. does not sound like boss music. <laughs> well, it's sorry, it's the level music peppy. that you listen to. The boss music is all the same across the game, but... Ah. Okay. Um, this one's kind of funny, because this sort of uh, leads into a conversation that uh, Emmy and I had the other day that, um, a- after, well after I had written this question. Uh, which of these is not a battle toad? Is it Pimple, Zitz, Rash or cyst? Oh my god! Um, <laughs> it's almost <laughs> like it has to be cyst, right? 
That's not a battle toad. It is cyst. You are correct. Okay. I think that cyst should be like the evil fourth battle yeah, toad right? that <laughs> they all thought was dead, and they have and and it comes back and fights them in a new game. Oh no, cyst is back. <laughs> <laughs> I thought we drained that. I thought we got that drained. <laughs> All right. Okay, so this is the last question here. Um, or is it? Dun, dun, dun. Uh, so we were talking about X-Men here. We were talking about X-Men on 16-bit consoles. Uh, which of these X-Men or women, uh, there's only one of them that this will apply to, is playable in all four of the 16-bit X-Men games? So there were two... Sega Genesis published, or Sega published X-Men games. There was Spider-Man yeah. and X-Men in Arcade's Revenge, which was cross-platform, and then X-Men Mutant Apocalypse on the SNES. So uh, which one of these characters is playable in all four of those games? Is it Psylocke, Storm, Gambit, or Beast? Um, Gambit, I think. You are correct, mon ami. Yes. Yes, <laughs> Gambit. That was the time of Gambit. Gambit was it, everywhere. It really you know. was. Yeah. 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 And uh, Storm, not playable in very many games, which is ridiculous because she's. But she is summonable in one of them. Yeah, yeah. Well, she's um, playable in Spider Man and the X Men, but eh, her stages aren't very good. <laughs> For some yeah. reason, they're the water stages in that game. Which is like, she can fly. She can just fly out of there. She should just fly out of the water yeah. and not be in the water anymore. That's what she ought to do. Yeah. Um, the thing yeah, is, yeah. Storm's too powerful. Like, you have to build your game around Storm and her power set. Like, if you just make it so, like, oh, hey, this is a stage that Wolverine or Storm can get there. Like, what, you know, what, what's, what's Storm going to do? She's just going to fly over everything and electrocute everybody. Like, give Storm her own game is all I'm saying here. Too powerful. Okay. So we, we got one bonus question here for you. Um... This is not a multiple choice question. This is gonna, the answer is going to be a number. I need you to get this within okay. five, okay? Okay. All right. According to a popular PS1 game, the title of a PS1 game, what is the number of people that can stop Mr. Domino? Uh, four. You are correct because you got it within five. The, the correct answer is uh, zero because no one can stop Mr. Domino. So... So you got it. Oh, no one. That's right. That's yeah, the name yeah, of so. the game. <laughs> so you got it. You got it. You got it within five. So, uh, so congratulations. I feel very accomplished. Um, and I feel like I'm, I might be at the level Mr. Domino's at. Unstoppable. Yeah. You are unstoppable. Yeah. I mean, like, until you actually play that game and you realize, oh, it's actually pretty easy to stop Mr. Domino. But, uh, <laughs> but according to that title... No one can stop him. So, well, that was that was fun. That would have been more fun if I had, you know, maybe thought more about some of these questions. Apparently, it was it was more fun because I got to flex some extra knowledge. <laughs> well, I, I I'm showing my age because I don't know what a Fortnite is. Apparently, nobody really knows what a Fortnite is. Is it a game where you? you know, shoot other players or is it a game where you go and celebrate Martin Luther King Jr.'s legacy by listening to his speech in game while uh, the Rick character <laughs> from Rick and Morty does the floss dance? Who knows? Who knows anymore? Yeah, yeah. Like the, the image of the xenomorph and, and Rick uh, from Rick and Morty in front of the, the, the like Martin Luther King memorial thing is going to be burned into my mind forever. It's, it's a, 
interesting and terrifying time we live in. It sure is. It sure is. <laughs> what even is reality anymore? I don't even know. Uh, anyway, so that was our trivia game. Um, I, I, I think this is uh, clearly shown I should not be the host of any trivia game. I will leave that to you, Jace. You are, are the, the host with the most. I, I clearly can't compete there. The greatest game show host for the greatest gaming game show. That is correct, yes. You, you got that one right. So, have you taken a look at our list? Do you have any suggestions for us uh, for our... our uh, we now have, I believe, 194 games on that list, although it will be 200 by the time this goes up, obviously. Um, yeah. But, uh, you know, if you have any um, suggestions for us. So, I'm not seeing Breath of Fire on here at all. I don't think we've gotten to that one yet. Well, I don't think oh. we've gotten to that one yet, because this is chronological, and I think we we have not... We have uh, not gotten oof, to the release of Breath of Fire on the list yet. Probably out then. Um, do I have a suggestion? Tom and Jerry's on here. Is um, this was a SNES game, right? There was a Tiny Toon Adventures. Yeah, SNES game wasn't there. Yeah, Buster Bust Loose. It's actually pretty high on our uh, list. Here it is. It's yeah, um, twenty-one. Yeah. 21 seems about right. Okay. <laughs> hmm. I will always advocate for bumping up Soul Blazer. Um, I know it's at six, which means it's in the top ten, which means that I'm a happy boy. But if you want to make me happier, you can put it in the top five. Um, so w- otherwise, which, which one of those games do you think comes out of the top five to make room for Soul Blazer? Uh, hmm. I don't want to say... Street Fighter 2, but Street Fighter 2. <laughs> I think <laughs> I think 3 is the best, as most people think. Um, uh, and I know that doesn't really fit this criteria here, but I think Street Fighter really didn't come into its Street Fighter-ness until 3. So I would, I would personally, like, move 2 down a little bit. Well, the the thing that's going to be tough for us with 2 is that there's so many versions of it on the Super Nintendo, and we haven't gotten any of those other ones yet, so that's there's going to be some kind of reckoning for that version of Street Fighter 2 at some point. We just have no idea how that's going to work. <laughs> also, I will say, though, you know, yeah. on the, the topic of, you know, like, Street Fighter not coming into its own until Street Fighter 3, I mean, did, did you go to arcades back in the day when Street Fighter 2 was the, the big thing? Because that... That was big. Well, yeah. Um, I used to watch my brother, and you're right. You are right about that. Um, but I think as a SNES game, um, there's going to be some other contenders later down the road that are probably going to knock it down. That was the thing that we were really blown away by with Street Fighter 2, even just you know vanilla Street Fighter 2 on the Super Nintendo, is that like it, it was already like really, really good, like better than we even remembered it. In, in a way, and um, so yeah, but okay, we'll, we'll we will definitely relitigate Soul Blazer. We'll see if if we can if we can talk ourselves into moving ask. something out of the way for it, <laughs> um, and we'll we'll talk a little bit more about because uh, well, I, I remember um, from our holiday show last year you talked about mm-hmm. uh, Shadow Run because we didn't have Shadow Run on the list yet. Oh yeah, you guys uh, finally hit hit Shadow Run, did you? Yeah, and it's pretty cool. We we actually liked it quite a bit. I am wholly upset that it 
and I mean, I guess this is a spoiler, sort of, but it literally ends with one of the characters saying, see you in Shadowrun 2, and then we don't get it. <laughs> we don't get it. It's not here. That's rough, yeah. yeah. That's really rough. I think they brought that character back for the Shadowrun Returns, for the first Shadowrun Returns game. So, uh, you know... Or they brought the main character back for that. So at least somebody followed up on it mm-hmm. eventually a little bit. Sort of. Mm, sort of. Not really. That's the worst one of those <laughs> games, unfortunately. But yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like Shadowrun is one of those games that deserves like somebody going in and, and putting in a patch that just adds a few quality of life improvements to that game. And then mm-hmm. that just turns it into just like a must play for anybody who's a fan of RPGs from this era. Um but uh, it also has like the bones of what we expect from a like cyberpunk game with fantasy elements. Yes, it's mm-hmm. true. It has like the complete structure of what we want, but no one else can some like do it as well as Shadowrun does. And until someone does, like that's all I got, and that I'm like clinging to it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're saying you didn't think that Bright movie was any good? I didn't watch it for... Oh, no. <laughs> and, and besides, Bright's not cyberpunk. Bright's just... Oh, that's that's true. It's, it's just urban fantasy, right? Really bad urban yeah. fantasy. Yeah. yeah, okay, that's the thing about Shadowrun, right? Is yeah. that, like, it's elements of urban fantasy and cyberpunk, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I guess the, um, the last thing that we need to talk about then is uh, we're just kind of asking everybody that we have on for our 200 game show uh, what they would want their contribution to be to a 90s podcast convention. Um, You know, and and this can be as fantastical as you want it to be. You can assume crazy millionaire money or just as down to earth as you want it to be, like something somebody could actually do. Um, What would you Mm -hmm. want your contribution to something like that to be? Uh, great question. Um, when I think of the 90s, I also think partly of, like, the early 80s, because a lot of what I gleaned from being a 90s baby, um, was also kind of reruns (laughs) that were on TV at the time. Oh, yeah. Um, and the most that I want, really, from a, like, 90s podcast convention is, like, a... A, a Legends of the Hidden Temple-esque type uh, event. Um, I don't know how yes. you audiofy that or if you audiofy it, but if I were to go to such a thing, there has to be at least one podcast or one event dedicated to Legends of the Hidden Temple. Oh my goodness. That's that's a great suggestion. That is awesome. I I did love me some Legends of the Hidden Temple back in the day. That was a great show. It was beautiful. Beautiful show. If somebody could find a good way to make Legends of the Hidden Temple into like a a sort of pen and paper and dice RPG kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I think that's pretty well set up for it, honestly. Yeah. Like, I think you could do it without too much trouble. Not off the top of my head, but... Like, yeah. oh, it did not roll high enough to get that Shrine of the Silver Monkey statue put together. It's <laughs> Yeah. That is a hard roll right there. <laughs> you could also make it like a VR experience. Oh, that would be incredible. Yeah, oh, yeah. That'd, be, that'd be... Oh, my goodness. That'd be really cool, actually. 
Well, all right. Well, now we're just going to talk for another half an hour about old Nickelodeon stuff. Uh, no, we probably shouldn't do that, but... Hey, Arnold. Oh, I could, though. Uh, anyway, I, I think that is going to do it. Um, Jace, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for putting up with my ridiculous <laughs> attempt at doing a game show. Uh, <laughs> and, yeah, so uh, is there anything else you would like to plug or, or anything? Yeah, um, once again, The Weekly Cooldown is where my podcast is. You can find me on Twitter if you ever want to talk about any video games or any video game news. Uh, it is at Gaming. It is spelled exactly how it sounds, I promise. Um, you can also find The Weekly Cooldown on Twitter at WKCooldown. Uh, be sure to look slash listen out for the greatest gaming game show ever. And I may have a third podcast uh, in the pipes, uh, kind of an NPR parody podcast. Oh boy. Um, don't, uh, don't look for it too soon, but like, you know, keep your ear to the ground. It might happen. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you very much again for your time and for being here. This is a lot of fun. Yes. Uh, it's always great. Always great working with you. Likewise, thank you so much. Always a blast. Thank you uh, for coming yeah. coming by, and uh, yeah, uh, please everyone go listen to the weekly cooldown. Yes, and I love you. All right, that was a really fun conversation. That was a fun game to play. Probably would have been more fun if I had uh, if I had worded that first question better. You did fine. Uh, honestly, I didn't know about the Fortnite thing either, frankly. We're old timers. We don't know about this stuff. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, you know, hey, it, it, did I put that question about Elecman just so that I would have the excuse to play a few seconds of an REM song? I'm not going to say I didn't. It is the same song, though. I didn't realize. I didn't. <laughs> I, I'd never heard that song before, so I didn't know that. But yeah, it's like, oh, yeah, it's, yeah it's, this, it's, is, this is the same one. Yeah. It's so strange because like it, it's a it's a song that REM would play like in concerts and like had been playing in in shows like since the early '80s around the time when Mega Man came out. Uh-huh. So some people were kind of like wondering like, okay, is it possible that like either the composer of Mega Man went to an REM show and heard that song, or is it possible that REM just happened to hear this random video game tune? And I think folks have come down the on the opinion that it's just a coincidence. Yeah. It's very funny though. Yeah. And then of course there's also, there, there's also like several final fantasy songs. They're like just Led Zeppelin songs. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, wasn't there the, the Mega Man game or the Mega Man X game where they named all the bosses in, um, in the American version, like after guns and roses band members. Yes, they did. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they did. That's pretty funny. But yeah, anyway, getting back to, uh, to, to our conversation with Jace. Uh, we had a lot of fun. We were on an episode of his game show, which I, I hope is coming out pretty soon. Yeah. I, I'm just going to say that I, I do owe some charities some money and I, I, I probably need to get on that. I've been waiting for the episode to come out, but maybe I should just, uh-huh. maybe I should just do it now. It's a never, never a bad time to donate to some charities. Yeah, 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 absolutely. So yeah. I'll, just, I'll just donate the same amount of money to both of them so that nobody knows which of us won. Uh-huh. <laughs> so we'll do that. Shame about Jace's SNES getting stolen on Christmas. Oh, I did not know God. this. I, I didn't realize that bringing him on our show would be such a traumatic, uh, would be tr- bringing up these traumatic events for him. Man, um, that sucks though. Like I can't imagine how, how 
awful that would feel. I would just steal a video game from a kid. Usually I'm all about stealing. Like, steal from corporations all you want. Steal from corporations. Don't steal from people, though. All I know is that there was a side mission in a Yakuza game where a kid's copy of Dragon Quest gets stolen, and you have to go beat up the guy that stole it and get it back for him. And, uh, you know, I, I wish that... Uh, a, you know, a beefy, kind-hearted Yakuza man could have done that for Jace as a kid. I wish the, the beefy Yakuza man had gone up to the kid who stole it and said, hey, don't do that. Steal it from KB Toys. They're going to go out of business in about a decade anyway, so it doesn't matter. Although also a little jealous that Jace got to talk to Frank Cifaldi. Maybe I should just be reaching out to like yeah. quasi-celebrity people. Jeremy Parrish, I'm coming after you, buddy. Getting you on this show. Actually, no, I'm, I'm not going to do that because then, you know, we're going to talk about video game history and he's going to be like, well, actually, you're wrong about everything. Let me explain. That's true. That guy <laughs> does know a, a, a truly frightening amount about um, probably probably a lot of things that we think we know stuff about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, when Andrew and Brandon said, you know, like they, they like to put comedy in quotation marks when they talk about their podcast as a comedy show. Um, I like to put uh-huh. the history yeah. in quotation marks uh-huh. when I talk about our show as a history show, because like I'm doing my best here. But like I'm not I'm not connected like all these people are. You know, I don't I, I can't just, you know, Bounce things off of Frank's folly, like, hey, am I right about this? And have Frank's folly be like, oh, yeah, no, you, you've you totally got it. Or no, you're completely wrong about this. Also, something we failed to mention when we were talking about our last segment, we, we've been asking everybody uh, for 90s podcast convention ideas. Andrew and Brandon said, you know, that they kind of just wanted to be sort of the, the uh, you know, sort of the guides. Maybe like, you know, the, the 90s sommeliers to bring everything back to winemaking. Yeah. And Jace wants to put on a Legends of the Hidden Temple thing. Either, you know, like if we if this was going to be a an actual online podcast convention, which like isn't how I had thought of that idea when I when I was pitching it to folks, but when Jace brought that up, that this is where like things get a little dangerous because like, oh, that sounds like something I might actually be able to do, but then I've got to be like, no, no, do not do this. You can't no, don't just don't. This is more than you want to deal with. But yeah, the idea of making Legends of the Hidden Temple, either into like a tabletop role-playing game. That sounds like pretty doable. That's in it, it almost sounds like something that um Renegade Games ought to be getting on to with all their tabletop things based on old properties that we will we'll yes. talk about that a little bit later today. But uh but yeah, either that or you just have like a big old room and you just build a Legends of the Hidden Temple set. The CW has proved that it can be done. For adults, because apparently that's a thing they're making right now. There's a new Legends of the Hidden Temple series for grown-ups on the CW right now. You were telling me about that before we we started uh, the, the the recording today, and uh, yeah, that's cool. I had no idea, but it's a good idea. Like you know, I think uh, yeah, there's there's no reason why that that wouldn't work. So yeah, we, we, we could do it. You know, uh, it wouldn't be safe. It would be extremely dangerous for everyone involved, and no one should actually run that course but we could do it i mean like they've got those you know like inflatable obstacle courses that you can just put up somewhere and people don't tend to have problems running those because they're safe enough that you know it's it's unlikely that people are going to get hurt on it you know or like people Uh hopefully know their limitations to the point where like yeah "Yeah, i'm not going to do that because i will probably hurt myself Uh um I have to think there's got to be some way of doing like a Legends of the Hidden Temple type thing 
safely enough that that you could you could feasibly do that in a convention. I would it think it would be so. more fun than I mean, Sad Ball Pit. I think you're probably right. Yeah, I mean, most things would be more fun than Sad Ball Pit, though. So, uh, uh, you got you got to give that ball pit credit for being one of the most iconic images of our era. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, uh, so let's see. So, what did uh, Jay suggest? Should uh, oh, he suggested Soul Blazer going higher on our list. Yeah, he suggested Soul Blazer should go higher on the list, um, even though it's very high. It's in the top ten already. Uh, he also suggested that maybe Street Fighter 2 should come down a little bit. I don't think I really agree with him that like Street Fighter did not come into its own until Street Fighter 3. But I do think he has a point that like, you know, with Street Fighter 2 itself is going to evolve over the course of the Super Nintendo's life in a way that maybe makes the placement we have for it now a, a, little, a little problematic. I could see Street Fighter 2 going a little bit lower even below Soul Blazer, maybe even below Lost Vikings, maybe even below Final Fantasy two. Although I, mm, I don't, I don't know about that one. Yeah, I don't, I don't know, know about, about that one. I don't know about that. But uh, I think we could definitely drop it down below Soul Blazer, and I would be, I'd be, I'd be okay with it going below the Lost Vikings. Because thing is, like, we are eventually going to have to reckon with the fact that Street Fighter 2 has multiple other versions of it. You know, we've talked about this in the past. It's probably a good idea to to reappraise that. And this does have the effect of bumping Soul Blazer up a little bit on the list. Yeah, um, this will put Soul Blazer officially in the top five, which does put Legend of Zelda A Link to the Past at number two, which does feel very right. Feels right, yeah. But in any case, um, yes, thank you very much, Jace, for joining us, for being on the show again. I guess this is our first time actually getting to talk to him for our show. We've been on his show a couple of times. We've been on on multiple of his shows. So, yeah. I hope that we get to listen to more of the greatest gaming game show ever. Ever, yes, podcast. I, I hope we get to listen to that soon. Uh, no pressure, you know, but... Looking forward to that, though. It's it's fun, yeah. All right. Well, should we move on to our next segment? Yeah. Let's move on to our next segment, which, uh, gotta say, this this was a really... Uh, both a good, uh, fun, fun to have... Uh, uh, have this person on and also really useful because of their, their, you know, breadth of knowledge about stuff. So absolutely. So, uh, with that, let's, uh, let's talk with Joe senior from Stess's life. now talking with Joe from SNES's Life, or should I say Big Joe from SNES's Life. Uh, how you doing? Pretty good. How are you guys doing? Oh, we're good. Yeah, we're, we're doing fine. Um, thank you so much for coming by and uh, talking to us on the show here. Uh, we really appreciate it, especially since you and and uh, Little Joe are, are probably the people with the deepest bench of Super Nintendo knowledge that we've had on the show, actually. Oh, I feel that's unlikely, but <laughs> we've wanted to collaborate with you guys for a while just because we are doing such similar things. Um, I think you guys are a pretty good ways ahead of us now in the chronology since we started, you know, doing biweekly and three games at a time instead of four. But yeah, I mean, we've been at it for, I don't know, just about three years. So we're 200, I think, 278 or 79 games in now. Yeah, no, we, we got some ground to go to, to catch up with y'all for sure. 
Yeah, yeah. We've we've been at this for about two years, I guess, now. Uh, yeah, I guess that's right. Yeah. It's fun. But anyway, so a uh, big reason why we wanted to have you on the show is because uh, we wanted to talk about Super Scope games, because that is one thing that we've not really been able to cover on our show as... We don't have the equipment or anything to really get the authentic Super Scope experience, but but you guys do. You and, and Little Joe are playing on original hardware, I believe, for the most part. Uh, yeah, well, for the show, primarily we do off emulation just because of ease of capture cards. I mean, most of them are HDMI anymore. But yeah, for the Super Scope, we went into the other room where all my original hardware is and, and did it off the old CRT. So, Joe, actually, do you, do you want to talk a little bit about what your show actually is and what you guys do before we get into this? Yeah, sure. Um, so uh, my name is Joe, as you know, you guys have already said. And then my oldest son, who is 19 now, his name is also Joe. He's a junior. And this started when he was 17. Um, you know, my kids had always been like, hey, I want to do a YouTube show, which I was never willing to give them the money to do it. And then finally, I was like, all right, I'll tell you what, we'll do a YouTube show or something. But I get to pick the topic, and so my oldest son, who is much more of a gamer than my youngest, um, I said, you know, let's do a YouTube show and go back and explore all these video games that you're probably never going to play otherwise. And so we just dedicate ourselves to playing every Super Nintendo game released in North America. And for the most part, we're going in roughly chronological order. So why the Super Nintendo? It's just the the system that I grew up with. It's the one I have the most nostalgia over. It's the one I know the most about. You know, I just when I started collecting games uh, about three or four years ago, you know, I picked kind of one system to aim for, and so that was it. Yeah, you know, it's it's funny because I've I've talked to some folks out here just through like retro stuff in general, and you know, there are it's kind of funny that there are a lot of younger kids, you know, like high school age who end up getting into that stuff, even though, you know, obviously they would have no nostalgia for it and like enjoying it, being able to talk about it thoughtfully. It's, it's kind of fun actually seeing a lot of younger folks getting into these older things that we grew up with. It is. I kind of feel like that is like a huge, uh, in a way, a huge relief for me because it, it, it suggests that like, you know, there are things in, in these games that, you know, just work just for for people without the context of the the you know the time in which they were made all right and so now your show is on youtube and twitch or is it primarily on twitch uh we primarily stream on twitch only and then i take all that after their 24 hour affiliate standoff thing and then i upload it to youtube to save it since after 14 days i think twitch deletes everything I guess let's get into this list. Let's talk about some Super Scope games. So how many games do you have uh, on your ranking of Super Scope games right now? Actually, when we got to the Super Scope, we went ahead and just played them all at the same time, regardless of where they fell chronologically. So we have played, we've played 11 of the 12 games. That, that's all of them. There are 12 games total. Yeah, I think that's why I did not end up with the Super Scope when I was a kid. I think when I saw the thing on TV, I wanted one, but like even as a Nintendo power kid, uh, there wasn't enough there to kind of keep my interest going in the device. And after a while, I I just kind of forgot about it. Honestly, I I think people are a little confused today. They think about how cheap games were back then. But if you go back and look at like the old advertisements, games were 60, $70 then too. And the super scope, uh, retailed for 60 bucks us. 
So my parents were never going to buy one. We rented one from our local video store, though. Did it come with a game packed in? Yes, it had a pack in. That was the Super Scope 6. That's right. I thought the thing was actually just called, like the device itself was called a Super Scope 6 for a long time because it came packaged with that game. And I think I got confused. I wonder if a lot of people did that. Possible. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I've definitely seen that before, for sure. I think I thought that at a certain point, too. So, All right. Well, uh, do you want to start at the bottom of the list and work our way up? From the worst to the best. So what is on the bottom of your list? The uh, worst game, in my opinion, was Terminator 2. This was a port of the arcade game that had, like, Uzis mounted to the arcade machine. Um, it's a side-scrolling belt shooter. Graphics were pretty toned down from the arcade machine it's very much a quarter muncher like they didn't tone down the difficulty at all but it doesn't look great the sound is eh, and it plays awful like the hit detection's not great it's just it it was a bad port and we did not enjoy it (laughs) which i feel like i've seen that arcade game of that basically everywhere you know at some point and i didn't really know there was a super nintendo version of that which i guess goes to show how how few people uh liked that that home version yeah it it was not the most popular one i think you can find them for like six or seven dollars in resale shops yeah yeah the super nintendo was maybe not the system for those kinds of games like uh i think revolution x probably falls in there too All right, so what is number 11? Uh, Number 11, I put Lamborghini American Challenge. This was a game developed by Titus, which I think was a French company. Oh, yeah. It is. You guys have played Top Gear, obviously. Yep. Yeah, we have. We like Top Gear, actually. Right? We like Top Gear, too. Top Gear was a great game. Uh, This game was essentially a Top Gear ripoff, and it was a racing game, arcade style. Uh, The only thing it did better was single player had a full screen instead of being forced into split screen. And this was a game that was primarily played with a controller. But if you plug the Super Scope into the second player port, the other person could actually just shoot and blow up the opposing cars, which made it real easy to get first place. That's super weird. That's a really weird thing for them to have done with this game. <laughs> it, it was a really interesting idea, but the game plays slow. The frame rate's awful. Uh, the controls and steering aren't great. It just, it, it's also not a good game, unfortunately. It was a neat idea, just not fun. Yeah, we've come across quite a few of the of those sorts of, like, a cool idea, not well-executed sort of games, yeah. That's not even a game I would have assumed was a Super Scope game when we come across it. No, you wouldn't. Yeah. And, and the, the instructions, I don't think, say anything about it either. All right, um, so how about number 10? Uh, number 10, I went for The Hunt for Red October, a game based off the movie, so sort of. <laughs> um, so in this game, you take control of the Red October, which is a nuclear submarine. It is essentially a side-scrolling shoot-em-up game, except you're underwater in a sub. Uh, there are bosses and things to attack, and what happens is every now and then, you will come across a cursor on the screen that you can drive your submarine into, and then it goes to a bonus stage where you're essentially shooting missiles at helicopters and airplanes, and that's where you use the super scope. So again, it wasn't the primary mode of play. It was more of like a bonus stage mechanic. Uh, The game looks decent. The game looks decent, sounds okay, it plays all right. It's pretty difficult in the later stages. We did finish this game, I do believe. That's pretty impressive, because this is one we have played uh, just, you know, 
not being able to deal with the the, sco- the super scope parts, but we played the the rest of that game, and um, yeah, that's actually a pretty, uh, I think, a pretty tough game. It, it is a hard game. So good, good job, good job. Um, and and the reason it's so far down on the list is simply because when we're talking about super scope, I'm generally going to rank the super scope games above the games that just have them as a side mechanic. Like that's why Lamborghinis here, Red October's down yeah, here. That that totally makes sense. Because because yeah, Red October's not a bad game. It's hard, but it's not bad. Yeah, I'm I'm looking at our last our list right now, and we've got the Hunt for Red October at number 88. So uh, hey, it's in the top 100 instead of the bottom 100. All right, so Hunt for Red October number 10. What is number nine? Uh, number nine is the last game that is not intended for the Super Scope. This is actually The Lemmings 2. So The Lemmings is a puzzle game where you're trying to lead these different lemmings to an exit, and you have all these different roles you can assign them, like builder or digger or miner and things like that. So, it, I mean, you guys have probably played The Lemmings 1 by now. In fact, I know you have. Yo, yeah. Yeah, we played Lemmings. Uh, we, we really liked it, actually, yeah. And I love Lemmings. And Lemmings 2 is, it's more of the same. It's bright, it's colorful, the music's fun, it's its a nice just zone out and chill and play it game. And just like Red October, or not Red October, I'm sorry, just like Lamborghini, you can plug the scope into Player 2, and they can just take pot shots at Lemmings and blow them up. And it pops out like a, a fair circle around, so like you can take out walls and stuff by shooting them. It has nothing to do with the gameplay other than just to be a silly side thing. That's very funny. Yeah, Lemmings right now is number 18 on our list, so it's still quite high. Yeah, I love Lemmings. It's one of my favorite games. Yeah, I, I don't think either of us had ever played Lemmings before until we got to it on the show, and we were both like, okay, I yeah, I see why this is such a classic now. No, yeah. Yeah, and again, like, what a weird thing to, to add Super Scope compatibility to, but there you go. Um, I wonder if at a certain point Nintendo was just like, please, <laughs> please put some do something with the Super Scope in in your game like we we don't care what it is it's i felt like the light guns were always super under uh utilized in the 16-bit era nintendo does not strike me as a company that is uh at all afraid to just throw out babies with bathwater when it comes to uh, their their little gimmicky peripherals and whatnot but oh that's certainly true yeah so uh that was number nine i believe so number eight Number eight, this one I put Operation Thunderbolt. Now, this is based off of an arcade light gun game, uh, which was a sequel to Operation Wolf, I think. Now, this is your standard um, uh, gallery-style shooter, left to right. Sometimes you're moving forward, like driving down a road. But it is really just a, a basic gallery shooter. The graphics are kind of subpar, in my opinion. The music's okay. The rest of the sound is fine. I've never played this game and that is because it did not sell well. It's actually kind of one of the rare Super Scope games to get, and it runs about $70 to $80, and I am just not willing to spend that money on a Wolf. game that, that looks so subpar to me. <laughs> I put it at number eight because I think it's above the games that don't have the scope as a main mechanic, except for Terminator 2, because, I mean, that tells you how much I hated Terminator 2. Gotcha, yeah. All right, so what is number seven? Uh, number seven is Tin Star. This is a real interesting game. It is a Western-style robotic game. So it's every it's Old West, but everybody's a robot, including, like, the cattle. It's real strange. It's very bright, very colorful. It's a very pretty game. It's a gallery shooter for the most part. Um, there's also some levels where it's... It's like a quick draw mechanic where it's like you and a guy standing at opposite ends of the street at high noon. You have to kind of outdraw the other guy, like shoot him as soon as he pulls his gun. Definitely remember the character Tin Star showing up in a few issues of Nintendo Power here and there. So, 
Yeah, that'll be a really interesting one to check out. And, and you can play Tin Star with a controller as well. And it's also mouse compatible, so it Ooh. could use the Super Mouse. You'll totally be able to play this game, which is great, but it, it definitely plays best with the Super Scope. It is kind of a rally type shooter. Like, there are some levels where it's third person, like your character is on the screen running around, and you don't control him, but you do shoot. And because he's on the screen, the enemies seem to have a much easier time shooting you. And if you have to, like, scroll a cursor across the screen, it's pretty hard to get to him in time. Whereas if you have the scope, you can just aim and click. Yeah, it's, it's a really neat game. Um, it's not my favorite, but it is a very good game. I, like, I enjoy it as far as the Super Scope is concerned. All right. So uh, number six. Uh, number six, I chose Super Scope 6. So this was the pack-in game. Uh, so there are, I think like six different games on this, which is, that's how they advertise it. Six different games. It's really two different games. So there's, (laughs) there's, there's a Tetris game and there's type A and type B, which this is nothing like any other Tetris. So don't think about it from that perspective. Um, there are two different versions of Tetris. There's a, like a -a whack-a-mole kind of game on there. And then there are a couple of just like scrolling gallery shooters where like, alien airplanes and jets are flying around you're just trying to shoot them down it's very colorful the music's very nice it's a very relaxed game uh the gallery shooting one is pretty fast paced and everything plays real smooth and that's not real shocking they put the nintendo polish on it like this was the pack in it had to play it had to be functional and it's just fun plus it's super duper cheap we sort of started out with the idea that we would just emulate these games and sort of play them you know with with the mouse and everything in, in in place of the super scope. And I don't know, like I couldn't get this game to work properly. And I don't know if I just wasn't playing it correctly or if it was a problem with the emulation or what was going on. And that was when I kind of figured, ah, maybe we ought to wait and see if we can play these games legit somehow so that we can get the full experience. But I don't know. I, I I also did not read the instruction manual, so that might have been part of the problem. <laughs> Could have been. You never know. I don't. I, I don't think the games were particularly hard. The one of the modes of Tetris's was pretty confusing if you didn't read it. Um, but yeah, the games. It's it's a solid game, and it's like I said, real cheap to pick up if the scope is something that you're hunting down. So uh, how about number five? Number five is X-Zone is my choice. It is your standard gallery shooter, basically. It has a bunch of different levels. There's left to right, up and down. Um, And then there's some areas where they used mode seven, which is the whole uh, scaling of the bitmap image for the background. And it looks like you're falling from the sky. You're actually supposed to be like launched from an... Uh, spaceship in your mech suit flying down towards earth and there's all these missiles flying up from the ground at you that you're trying to shoot um the music's good the graphics are good the gameplay's fine it's it's not the best game i mean obviously i think it's better than the ones previous to this but it is a very standard gallery shooter not terribly expensive to pick up is that one uh, a nintendo in-house production or did someone else make that one you know i am not sure who made x-zone actually I was just kind of wondering if that was related to the Game Boy game X and that whole series that Nintendo worked on with Argonaut that was sort of like a precursor to Star Fox. Uh, It was released by Chemco. Oh, Chemco. Okay. All right. All right. And then number four. Uh, Number four, I chose Battle Clash. Now, this is a real interesting game, and this is one of the ones you hear a lot about uh, when people do talk about the Super Mm -hmm. Scope. So it's it's sort of a – the story is based around like a semi – post-apocalyptic future the world is kind of devolved and the people in control are the guys that drive these giant mech suits and they have like a tournament every year and then 
what happens is like your dad died in the tournament one year. So you grew up with a single goal in mind to kill the guy that runs this tournament. So it is a scrolling shooter left to right, kind of a belt scroller, but there's only one enemy on screen at a time ever. And it's a big mech. You're also in a big mech and you're basically just shooting at him and he'll move left. He'll move right. And every mech is very much designed differently with different weaknesses and different strengths. Um, it's a very good game. The colors are great. The music's good. The sound is good. The control is tight. You know, when you, you don't, when you shoot at something, you hit it, you know, it's, it was very well done. This was probably the most polished game for the super scope right next to its sequel, which we'll get to a little bit further. Okay. Um, it's, it's definitely a game worth looking up if the super scope is something you're interested in. Yeah. Yeah. I've definitely heard of battle clash. So that, that's yeah one of the big ones for the super scope and uh at number three number three i chose bazooka blitzkrieg now this is one that me and joey did not record for i did not have the game at the time uh it's actually kind of a harder one to find not expensive just hard uh it is a scrolling gallery shooter just like any other arcade shooter it's you know left to right up and down same as x zone but it's very colorful good sound again good mechanics uh very tight your controls are good um the music can get a little repetitive it seems like shorter loops to me that may just be a personal opinion but i really enjoy the game uh it it reminds me a lot of kind of the same color palettes as like pilot wings i don't know it's it seems kind of soft like some of the pilot wing stuff like the guys are kind of rounded out it's it's hard to describe that aesthetic, but it, it just felt like that to me. <laughs> and then, uh, well, there's only two left, so and I, and I know what those two are, so I'm wondering which one will be number two. Uh, number two, I chose Yoshi's Safari. Uh, I thought so, yeah. Uh, Yoshi's Safari is a gallery shooter, just like all of these are. I mean, it's a light gun game. What do you expect? But this is... This is Mario on the back of Yoshi going straight forward down roads, shooting Koopas, shooting Goombas. Uh, The Koopalings from Super Mario World make an appearance in this game. This, I do believe, is the first game where Mario actually wields a gun. He's using the Super Scope as a weapon to kill the enemies. Um, What's funny is because you're riding Yoshi, his head is in front of you, and if you shoot Yoshi in the back of the head, like a Band-Aid shows up and he turns around and looks at you real bad like you prick. Um, oh god that's terrible first you're punching him in the back of the head in super mario world now you're shooting him in the back of the head that's, yeah uh, it's hilarious it's brutal yeah yeah uh, giant giant bombs jeff gersman would tell you it's all deserved it's, oh wow i love yoshi no no i i do too i i wouldn't go that far the game is very colorful the music is good unsurprisingly you know nintendo put their flagship guy in this it's mario so they put the polish on it the game is solid it's very good very plays very well uh one of the things that a lot of people don't know is if you plug in the second player's controller they can to a, a lighter extent control yoshi as far as going left or right or jumping uh, at specific times. So if, if it's just you and the super scope, he'll jump on his own. But if you plug in that controller, player two can make him jump anytime and make him do like a running long jump, which is helpful in some of the levels. Secret player two functionality, kind of like duck hunt where the, the, apparently the second player can control the ducks. Yeah. was in the instruction manual, but nobody knew about it for the longest time. I guess I should say it wasn't common knowledge. It's because nobody read manuals. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, I've, I've got that same problem. 
Um, all right, then. Well, I guess that just leaves number one, which shouldn't be a surprise to anyone. But uh, what is it? Uh, so number one is Metal Combat Falcon's Revenge. Now, this is the sequel to Battle Clash. Uh, it is essentially the same concept as the first game. You are, again, fighting at the tournament in your mech, shooting other mechs. Not a big shock here. Uh, just like the first game, the colors, graphics, music, sound, gameplay, all really good, all very tight. It plays well. It controls well. It is definitely the game you want to get. And the nice thing about this is there is actually a second player mode. Now, I don't know that anyone owns two super scopes, and I don't think it actually works with two super scopes. The second player uses a standard controller, and they get to pick in two-player mode one of the enemy mechs in the game, and they can fight you back, which is really neat. Oh, neat. Um, me and Joey played this one for the stream. This, I think that the person with the controller is definitely at a disadvantage. It's, you know, you have to try and move left and right and different button combinations for things, whereas the Super Scope player just presses a button and shoots you. But it, the fact that they bothered to put it in there is awesome. The game plays well. And again, it's just, you know, I, I put Battle Clash further down at, like, number four just because Metal Combat is that much of a better game. It took that game and it just added to it, making it better. I guess that, that would also make it the only, like, game that got two editions as a Super Scope game, too, which is kind of interesting. Yeah, I got a sequel. <laughs> well, great. Well, that gives us a really good starting point for when we finally uh, get into Super Scope games ourselves and finally get ready to put those on the list. Um, other than that, uh, got any opi- uh, uh, opinions on uh, the Miracle Piano Tutor? <laughs> so uh, when we started looking for things, I love peripherals. Like, I love dumb things. I have all these light guns and extra controllers and bongos and all this nonsense. And I looked at Miracle Piano. I was like, really? There's a piano teacher. And I looked it up, and holy <laughs> like uh the piano itself goes for like 500 to 700 dollars i'm like yeah that's something i'm never gonna touch <laughs> yeah that's yeah. kind of what i figured would be the case because yeah I, I also didn't really realize that there was a piano for this the sns but uh yeah just it came out early and apparently they did not keep that thing in production very long at all yeah it was not a cheap it was not a cheap thing then and it's certainly not cheap now i mean it, it was a full-size electronic keyboard and it had a midi to snes cable that you plugged in between the systems and yeah i mean it it taught you the piano but insane i almost wonder if you could take like any midi piano and, and like plug it in with that adapter huh. uh i guess if you like backwards engineered what pins in the nes control ports go to what thing you probably could well that gives me something to think about i guess all right well um okay so that so that takes us through all the super scope games um so last question that we've got for you sure is uh something we've been kind of throwing to all of our guests on this special that we're doing here is uh if there were to be some sort of 90s themed podcast convention is there something you think you would want to contribute to that? Oh, Lord. Um, thinking back to the 90s when, uh, let's see, I was between the ages of 10 and 18. Um, probably like Saturday morning cartoons. God, I watched a lot of Saturday morning cartoons. Everything from the Fox lineup to ABC to CBS. You know, I mean, back in the 90s, everybody had Saturday morning cartoons. As a kid, that's what you looked forward to for the weekend. Oh, yeah, yeah. Same here. Were, were, you, um, 
What station did you typically go to for your Saturday morning cartoons? Uh, so Fox was my station of choice. Yep. Same here. Nah. Same here. It's all about X-Men. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, they had X-Men. They had Power Rangers. Uh, they, they had the stuff that I liked. So Yeah, they had a lot. They had the best cartoon lineup in the 90s for sure. All right. Well, I, I guess that's going to do it. Um, Joe, again, thank you so much for being here. Thanks so much for sharing your, your opinions of these Super Scope games. And uh, uh, let everyone know again where they can find you. Uh, best place to find us is definitely just go look at the Twitch channel. You know, Twitch.tv slash SNES is life. All one word, of course. Uh, I stream on Saturday, Sunday, and Wednesday, uh, usually without fail unless I have some craziness going on. Uh, currently, my oldest son who does the stream with me is away at college. He'll be back uh, sometime around Christmas for a couple of weeks, and then he'll be gone again. Unfortunately, I just, that's, you know, he's he's in college. He's in the Air Force. He's not going to be uh, a consistent on the show anymore. <laughs> and my youngest son, I'm hoping my youngest son picks up one day, but mm, probably not. <laughs> yeah, hopefully someday we'll be able to get... Uh both you and little Joe on the show. But for now, I guess, again, uh, thank you so much for being here. We really, really appreciate it. And um, yeah, anything else you want to say to the folks out there? No, just uh, thank you guys for the show. I mean, I'm, I listen to you guys constantly. You found me early on when I started doing, you're like, Hey, we're doing the same thing. And I was like, Oh, that's great. That's another show to listen to, you know? <laughs> and so I just appreciate the content that you two put out. All right. Well, thank you so much. So that was uh, Joe from SNES's Life, which is a Twitch stream, Twitch channel, and uh, I believe also on YouTube as well, though I think he might just be doing the Twitch thing right now. I'm not sure. But yeah, look for SNES's Life on Twitter, and, and you can figure out all what, what he's doing there. But uh, yeah, found out about their show pretty early on. It was a lot of fun because I was you know just kind of comparing notes. And you, you've been talking to him for a while, yeah, right? yeah, a little bit yeah. here and there, you know, in, in kind of taking notes. Like when we did our episode where we put race driving at the very bottom, um, he had not known about race driving. He that was not uh-huh. on his list. We are going uh-huh. off of different lists apparently because uh-huh. nobody really knows for sure what the chronology of the right yeah. library is. So. Yeah, so they had to go back and, and look at that one, and, uh, and it was like, yeah, it's it's pretty bad. Uh, they're not doing like a ranked list, so I don't know if he would say it's the worst game that they've played, but it's a pretty bad game, though, uh, undeniably. We discussed in in the segment with him. Uh, they've actually played some games we have not because they've been able to use original hardware and play uh, all of the Super Scope games, which is really cool. It was great to talk to him about those and find out kind of where where those sit uh, for, for him. Um, which I think, you know, I, I can't imagine that my looking at footage of these games and having played a couple of them, uh, in the past, I can't imagine my rankings of them would be a whole lot different from his. So probably not terribly different with, with a few exceptions, Uh, you know, for one thing, he was ranking them in terms of like how much they use the super scope in some cases. Yes, he was. That's true, which is a pretty specific thing. It's a good chance that, you know, ranking the games overall as games, something like, say, Lemmings 2, 
uh, might go a lot higher. And we have already talked about the hunt for Red October, as we mentioned in the segment. When we get to our next Super Scope game, we will just kind of do a a Super Scope special and, and get all these on the list, with a few exceptions. I think... Depending on how crucial the Super Scope is to Lemmings 2, that one we might just wait until it comes up in the regular chronology. Yeah, that seems like a fun extra thing that you can do with it, but um, I would be genuinely shocked if it, it felt important enough to the game that we couldn't just rank it like a normal game. So can I can I say, though, uh, I I was under a, mis, a misapprehension about a, a Super Scope game that, that he helped clear up for me. Um, I don't know why, but I actually thought, possibly because of how the advertising for the Super Scope was done back in the day, that Battle Clash was just one of the games in Super Scope 6. I did not realize that was a a totally separate, completely freestanding game. And also, I I didn't know how much they had added for Falcon's Revenge, uh, the sequel to that, because I knew it had like a standalone sequel, but I didn't really know much about that. And it, it almost feels like, uh, you know, because th- th- they are, you know, and I don't know if these have this, you know, same publishers or developers or anything, but they almost feel like they have a sort of kinship with the Virtual Boy boxing game Tellero Boxer, a one-on-one, you know, first-person perspective game where you're fighting a robot uh, with, a, with a weird gimmicky peripheral, in, in this case, the Virtual Boy itself being that gimmicky peripheral. And actually, no, you know what? Uh, that's a first-party Nintendo game. That's got uh, Gunpei Yokoi as, as the director, as the producer on it. You know what? Gunpei Yokoi is the producer on Tellero Boxer. Yeah, so that's it's the same. Yeah, so yeah, you you were correct actually. So I guess you know, um, hey, where where's all the the Battle Clash Tellero Boxer love in Super Smash Brothers? Seriously, that would be a deep cut that they could that they they never have gone for. So come on, you're gonna put the guy from the Disney fanfic game over those guys? Come on. <laughs> Sorry, I, I don't want to be too harsh because I know that you are a big fan of Kingdom Hearts. So. Yeah, I love Kingdom Hearts. I was very excited to see Sora uh, get added in there, but uh, yeah, you know, I I think personally that uh, I would rather see a robot from Battle Clash somewhere in there than like one of the eight Fire Emblem characters that are in that game. Well, uh, oh, and uh, his pod convention idea, I guess, uh, Saturday morning cartoon viewing area, perhaps. Uh, yep. Great. Uh, that, that seems like a great idea. No notes. Yep. Like, that's that's very good. I need a break. I just want to go into a dark room, just watch some cartoons. Like, hey, you can do that. That's there. Yep. Sounds really uh, good. Making sure we put in old commercials with those cartoons though. that's important yeah you gotta get the real 90s vibe by having those those commercials so yeah for sure. gotta gotta have it gotta have it was fox your go-to saturday morning cartoon destination as well sort of so i watched a lot of those fox shows absolutely and i think it was probably the one as far as a go-to goes probably yes i was always there for x-men and power rangers But I will say the cartoons I was the most into at that time were definitely like the kids WB ones, you know, uh, Batman, the animated series, Superman after that, uh, Animaniacs, that stuff. Those were really like the ones I liked the most. But as far as like habit viewing goes, probably it was still Fox Kids. Yeah. And I think this is where we kind of show the the age gap between us a little bit, because, yeah, I was watching a lot of that, too. But those started out on Fox Kids until they moved to Kids WB. That's right. They did start out on Fox Kids. That's true. It's kind of funny because um, 
Animaniacs didn't do as well on Kids WB because fewer <laughs> cities had it. Like I, I was living in a small town when they made that switch. And so we didn't even have a WB affiliate. That makes sense. Yeah. And I, I was living in kind of a more major market. So we did have one. So I was able to do that. But yeah. So so yeah, I guess I guess overall, you could just still say that I was a Fox Kids kid. When I was really young, I, I watched whatever station had like the, the Nintendo cartoons like Mario. And then there was like, oh, yeah, sure. Mario three and Captain N. I think that was whichever network had the like. After these messages will be right back. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then um, <laughs> I remember the really weird interstitials that they would play between, you know, the show and the commercials where it was like um, it was a duck. It was like a baby duck. Uh-huh. Somebody was doing voiceover over the, the footage of the duck and these other animals. And the, the, the duck had had like this this um, uh, I, I don't know what voice you would say that is. Um. Have you ever seen like Lancelot Link where like the with the, the, the monkey and they're doing that same kind of thing um, where he's like a spy and whatever. And they're just, you know, talking over him as if the monkeys are talking. It's it's that kind of thing, except with like a baby duck. And so, like, you know, he's like, now back to our show. Hey, where's that trap door? And then a trap door would open underneath him and he would fall through it or something. It was it was really weird. I don't remember these. Yeah, I remember what once again showing my like kids WB preference actually uh that i remember the ones like the, the deeply weird uh cross promotional thing they tried to do where they had um like batman uh singing robin to sleep with Jigglypuff song from pokemon <laughs> they just over they, they got kevin conroy to overdub footage of batman the animated series of him singing like tim drake robin to sleep with with the Jigglypuff song from Pokemon when Pokemon was really popular. And they uh, were I'm even more mad there, now so. that we didn't have a kids yeah. WB affiliate. Uh, <laughs> so weird. That's, that is amazing. Oh, wait, this is a rabbit hole. I could go way down, but anyway, we need to get on with this show. This is going to be a very long one as it is. So. It, it is. So we got to keep rolling. We got one more segment here. We do. Yes. So, uh, we are now going to speak with Shalina from the everything nineties podcast. Hello, and we are back. And to, uh, well, not that today. We've been talking to folks all all day today. This has definitely all been done in one go. You guys just haven't heard it. Absolutely, we did a really good job of organizing <laughs> this. Just in and out, <laughs> people rotating through the studio. Very busy day for us. Yeah, uh, open door policy here at Honest Piranha Labs. Uh, anyway, we are talking to Shalina from the Everything Nineties podcast. Shalina, thank you so much for joining us. Hello. Thank you for the invite. I'm super excited for today's episode. Yeah, we are really happy to have you. We've just been uh, talking to all sorts of folks, um, SNES people, uh, just 90s nostalgia people in general. We've been having a lot of fun. Uh, and uh, your, when I saw your show pop up in my Instagram, I was like, this this seems like something that, uh, that kind of related to what we're doing here. This, this sounds good. And I've really been enjoying your show. Thank you. Yeah, I really um, enjoy your show as well. I I think it was like a month or two months ago I discovered it, and I really liked the concept. I thought it was like really um, creative. Well, thank you. Um, even though I, I'm not a huge video game person, I, I enjoy the creativity. Honestly, that's 
that's really nice to hear, um, you know, that somebody who's not intrinsically interested in like the subject matter could still listen to the show. And and uh, I mean, I'm not not to say that you're not necessarily interested in it, but somebody who isn't already like steeped in that that sort of fan base or whatever can can come in and, and still enjoy listening to it is, is really nice to hear. Yeah. Yeah. And I really like the dynamic between you two. Oh, so thank you. Yeah. That's always good. But um, <laughs> but tell us a little bit about your show. Uh, let everybody uh, know out there who, for some reason, isn't already listening to your show, who listens to ours. Uh, what uh, what do you do? <laughs> yeah. So um, I'm Shalina. I'm from Ontario, Canada, and um, I'm the host and creator of Everything 90s podcast. And I'm coming up to my one year anniversary next month Ooh, in November. Congrats. And um, I created this podcast to connect with fellow 90s kids or people that love that decade, um, just to spend a couple of minutes or hour. I usually keep it under an hour to um, just reflect on anything related to the 90s. So I have episodes that are um, like some themes are movies, TV shows, I actually did one on video games. I had my friends help me with that one. <laughs> and yeah, I, I just think um, like last year with the pandemic, it was and it was just really hard. Um, so I just decided to create this space to like escape from the craziness of the world just for a few minutes and reflect on the good times. So yeah, no, yeah, that's, that's, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I definitely like to reflect on <laughs> happier times, times when, uh, yeah, the world didn't seem like it was on fire. I mean, like it probably still was, we were just too young to know it yet. <laughs> mm, that's but, true actually. But yeah, yeah it, you know, I love reflecting on all that stuff. I've, um, I've got a drawer full of pogs right here. In fact, uh, I mean, <gasps> Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, if wow, you ever if you ever I'm do jealous. just a if you ever do just a pog episode, let me know. I'll I'll, I'll just bring all the pogs all on. All right, there. Yeah. noted. Okay, great. I've <laughs> <laughs> really been enjoying the show. I I really liked your your time capsule episode. That was a lot of fun. Uh, you guys included a lot of stuff that I think uh, I would have also wanted to include. I I might have thrown an REM album in there somewhere because I'm I'm a big fan of REM. But other than that, uh, all right. Uh, yeah, really good lists that you guys had. Yeah, I tend to um, have guests on. Um, some of them are my friends and then some are other podcasters who after the episode we become friends, which is nice. <laughs> and mm -hmm. yeah. I, yeah. Well, I, I'm trying to think, I think for the video game episode, was that the one where you had, um, prime nostalgia on there? Prime nostalgia podcast on? Oh no, that one, the video game one, I had, um, snacks required podcast. <laughs> snacks required. Okay. Yeah. Fiona I'm and Josh. That's right. That's right. Oh my goodness, I'm getting things mixed up because you you had you had Prime Nostalgia podcast on for one of them. Who I've, yes, I've talked to a little bit on Twitter. I'm always I'm always a little bit intimidated to to try and reach out to to him because I'm like he he gets like famous people on his show. Like I yeah, what am I yeah I I can't <laughs> I can't get somebody like that. I I don't I don't think I'm in their league. I don't know, but yeah, really nice guy. Um, I had him on the Sister Sister episode and the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers episode. Okay, it was definitely the Power Rangers episode I was listening to. Okay. <laughs> Big Power Rangers fan from back in the day. All right. How about you, Emmy? Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, no, I was I was into Power Rangers. Um, I was into, yeah, like, you know, Power Rangers was, was interesting because it was like the first, like, non-cartoon thing that 
uh, was on in like kind of that like block of shows that I was into because there had been like a few other things that like I didn't really care about. But yeah, no, I, I love Power Rangers. I love Power Rangers. And as I've grown up, I've I've kind of become interested in that whole weird genre of like Japanese like guy in suit shows mm. Uh, you know, cause there's, there's a lot of them and some of them are, are even, are, are much weirder than like Power Rangers. And, uh, it's, it's kind of interesting to, to like, look at those and like, see how they like adapted them for, for like American, American TV and stuff. Uh, but yeah, yeah, no, uh, but yeah, Power Rangers, uh, was like one of my, one of my big things I was, I was super into when I was uh, a kid and, you know, it had really cool toys too, which was, which really helped. You know, uh, you know, transforming robots are are always good. I still got my Megazord looking over me from my shelf over here. Oh wow! <laughs> so, oh wow! Man, mm-hmm. were you a fan of Power Rangers too, Shalina, or was that just kind of like one of the things that sort of came up? So you were like, ah, we need to talk about this. But were, were you into it back in the day? I wasn't actually. I do. Re- I do remember. Like, I have memory of it being on TV, um, but no memory of like actually watching the episodes. I think I had one of the toys, but I, was, I don't know. Maybe I was a little bit too young when it first came on. Um, mm-hmm. But I think at one point in time, it was canceled. Like it was, um, yeah, I guess canceled on Canadian like children's uh-huh. uh, stations, some of them. So there's that too. I mean, eventually it came back, but I don't know if that maybe had something to do with it. <laughs> Did, so I, I know I don't know if this is the way it was in Canada, but I know that in in some countries, Power Rangers was one of those things where like parents groups would look at it and be like, "This is too violent yeah. for us to have on TV. Like, this is not. This is weird. This is just like people kicking each other in the face. Like, why are we okay with showing this to kids?" I think that's what it was. Um, but I like after the episode, um, I went on Netflix and started watching it and I'm like, oh, this is actually pretty cool. Like it's a cute little I mean, not cute, but like yeah. I don't know. As an adult. It's kind yeah. of cute. Yeah. I mean it's it's I mean every episode is exactly the same. <laughs> you know, there's like really obvious where they cut together the Japanese footage with like yeah. the American actors being filmed in like a park in Los Angeles. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, suddenly the Green Ranger shield is all flimsy and fabric-y. Yeah. That's right. Like, yeah. Oh, that must be the American footage there. Okay. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. No, what what I like about Power Rangers is that like the original like Mighty Morphin Power Rangers is kind of coming back via like comics and games and stuff. I've got a Power Rangers board game that's um sounds actually kind of fun. Oh, I I've, I've been waiting for this pandemic to end so that we can get folks together to play it. Um I've also I, I might be making this up, but I think I had heard that the same company that makes this board game is making like a Power Rangers type tabletop RPG. That'd be cool. Which, if if that's if that's true, um, I mean, we might have our next podcast idea all ready to go. Uh, nice, <laughs> and, uh, good, and like an actual play podcast <laughs> where we we play this Power yes, Rangers yeah. game. Yeah. Shalina, you want in on this? I'm willing to try. Yeah. I have no idea what it is, but I'm. What, which, which, which color ranger would you like to be? Uh, maybe yellow. Okay, cool. We have no rule that like the pink ranger has to be a girl or anything like that on this show either. So, uh, just letting everybody oh, out there know. Good. And, but yeah, so. Yeah, I think the, yeah. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, and I was gonna say, I think in the original, um, 
Japanese show the yellow was male. Yes. And then they got yeah. Like that's one of the things that I I I find very charming about that show is is uh how very definitely the whole like body type for the yellow ranger is different when when they go into the actual like in the costumes footage. But yeah, so uh steering the conversation back to video games. Uh I know you, yes, you did talk sorry. about some, No, no, that's quite all right. This is this is fine. I am always down to talk Power Rangers. Don't even worry about that. Um <laughs> But uh, you were talking about uh, a couple of games that you used to play on your show. You want to tell us like what your experience with video games is a little bit? Sure. So growing up, I I didn't have any video games or consoles. Um, I would play them at my babysitter's house. Uh, her daughter had a Nintendo, Super Nintendo. And um, whenever my cousins would come over, um, they would bring their, their uh, consoles and games. So... At my babysitters, I remember playing Super Mario Bros. Um, I don't remember which, which, um, like one it was. But uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. There isn't a bad one, so. Okay, yeah. Um, well, maybe Mario is missing. <laughs> it wasn't that one, I'm sure. I think it was. I think it was like an '80s one. Is that? Is that does that make sense? I don't know if that's a thing. Yeah, that does. Yeah. There's okay. like three of them. There, there's like th- there's like three of them from the 80s. So, okay. yeah. And they remade those yeah. games into one package for the Super Nintendo later on as uh, Super Mario All-Stars. So that might have been the one you were oh. playing. OK. Um, yeah, I just remember the screen was kind of like a purplish background. Um, I think it had like versus Super Mario Bros, like in a rectangular box. Okay, yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, and then I also would play Donkey Kong um, when my cousins would come over. And then later on in life, like when I got to high school, uh, my friends had um, the Wii, and then we would play. Um, Mario Kart. Yeah, that's that's mm-hmm. as far nice. as my experience goes. Yeah, uh, I I played a lot of Mario Kart in high school too, but I played it on the N sixty four because I am old. Uh. All right, cool, cool. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that, yeah, Mario Kart's always a fun time. It's just one of the all time best kind of just you know party games, like games to play with like your friends everybody can kind of just you know jump into it and and have a good time yeah definitely um i i was i was not good at that game i would always think i'm like in another screen when it's like the four Uh split screen and they're like no that's not you shalina (laughs) (laughs) do they still do split screen multiplayer on the newer ones yeah no i i think the newer ones still have that so i'm happy to hear that I think that's that's a thing that they they kept going. So, yeah, I'm happy to hear they still have the the sort of couch uh, multiplayer experience baked in there. So that's that's always been my thing. I I can't do online multiplayer. I just, you know, I'm just like, no, I just want to play with people in the room with me. Yeah. um, Are you the same way? Do you play anything online? No, (laughs) no experience with that. Um, But my uh, I have a younger brother. He's super into video games he wants like when he grows up he wants to 
moved to, to Japan and worked for Nintendo. Oh, oh yeah, good luck to him. Very cool. We kind of worked for Nintendo at one point. <laughs> Oh, we, we, were, we yes. worked at Nintendo. We That's true. Yeah. Nintendo. Oh, oh. <laughs> we, 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 <laughs> what was that like? Um, yeah. yeah, it was bad. It was. It was. A, I mean, it was. It was okay, but it was very much like you know, having ha- having to to you know be be responsible for you know people people being mad at you for things that the giant company you worked for did that are not under yep. your control. Oh. So yeah. yeah. Yeah, but let them know you definitely does not have to go all the way to Japan to make video games. There's a lot of folks that make video games out here. And honestly, like these days, it seems like you should just go independent. Just just make your games and just put them out there. Yeah. <laughs> like, Don't don't yeah. work under I the think, thumb of the giant corporations. I think he he's also like into like Japanese culture, too. And like, OK, anime, too. So I think he just wants that experience okay, that's cool. too but yeah he's still young he's yeah he's 12 <laughs> uh-huh japan is a cool place i've been there it is it is very cool but yeah so uh the other thing that we've been doing for all of these little guest spots here for our 200 games on the list episode is that uh along with the uh the namely 90s guys we sort of had this idea of uh of a 90s themed or a, a 90s podcast themed convention and we've been kind of asking folks what they would want their contribution to that to be uh, if such a thing were feasible. Uh, and so I will throw it over to you if you have any cool ideas for what could be included in something like that. And, uh, you know, it's it's um, pretty open to interpretation and, and feel free to assume something is outlandish or as down to earth as you would like. OK, sure, sure. Um First thing that comes to mind are those bubble chairs. Bubble chairs. If we, if like, they were like those blow up. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Okay, you, you I know what you're ones? talking about. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Those are very, a very, very quintessentially '90s thing, aren't they? Yeah, yes. no. Wait, uh, are, are you talking about like the the inflatable furniture? Yes, and they were colorful. Like they had different colors, like neon yeah. green and. Yeah, yeah I, I envision like those everywhere, like around the place. The Inflato Lounge. Uh, yes, yes. Oh, I like this idea. I'm a huge music person, so have like a DJ just playing '90s jams. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, definitely. What what is um what are some of your favorite albums from the '90s? Okay, so. I was heavily into like as a kid I really liked the Spice Girls. Okay. <laughs> um Backstreet Boys. Um mainly because that was like the music I heard um at my babysitter's house. Mm-hmm. Um and as an adult like I've kind of been going back to 90s artists and like rediscovering them and I'm Really into Brandy. I've listened to a couple oh, yeah. of her old albums. Um, yeah, I've she's actually probably the only one that I've <laughs> been like stuck on. And Boys to Men. A lot of like nineties R and B. I'm starting to take an interest in. Yes, as an adult. I think Boys to Men, their album with the big two on it. I, I think it was just called Two. I think that might have been the first CD I ever bought. Okay, cool. Yeah. Is it like black, but black background? Um, wearing it, glasses? 
or no it, it didn't have them on the cover i think this was like actually their second album after coolie high harmony um it, it was oh, like okay, the, the okay. really big one it was the one that had um i think like on bended knee oh i remember that song yeah yes yeah um, that was yeah I, I really liked r&b back in the day um so yeah i, I, I listened to some brandy um I really liked that. Um, what was it? it was, I think it was Brandy and Aaliyah. The the boy is mine. Oh yeah, that was with Monica. Monica, that's right. Oh my goodness. A lot of, um, well, actually, New Edition's kind of like eighties. But I yeah, like I a, think a phase I, with them. <laughs> yeah, I feel like uh, Bobby Brown did did a lot of solo stuff in the nineties. Yes. Yeah. But yeah, I guess that was that was post New Edition. Emmy, what what are some of your favorite nineties albums? Oh, geez. Um, so I so so as far as 90s albums go, uh, I don't I don't honestly listen to enough music from the 90s that is just like here. I'm going to listen to like the discography of this person. But I have mm-hmm. a lot of like individual songs, like a lot of the like like G funk stuff, you know, Nate Dogg and uh you know snoop and like that kind of stuff. I was really, oh, okay. in, you know, really into and um Actually, like early, early outcast, like, you know, is is like really good stuff. They got the song Elevators that they did in like 1996. That is like super good that I'm I'm a big fan of. Um, and it's cool because like it's it's outcast and it still sounds like the music they were making in like the early 2000s. But it's like it's like it's like half a decade earlier. So like I can't imagine what this stuff must have sounded like to people like at the time. Yeah. So like a lot of that stuff is really cool. And um, my mom actually had a copy of Jagged Little Pill when I was a kid that we listened to <laughs> on like repeat. So like that that's a really, really good 90s album, I think. And Outcast, yeah, I, I like Outcast as well. I don't, I'm not familiar with their '90s stuff, so yeah, it's good. I'm gonna like it's, check it's, out that song you recommended, the yeah. Elevators. Elevators, yeah. I, I feel like people were so focused on the like East Coast West Coast, you know, rivalry for like rap artists in the '90s that like you know people like kind of didn't like pay much attention to like Atlanta stuff, you know, like stuff that was going on and like what what would later be called like the Dirty South scene and uh yeah no it was it was already going so yeah speaking of outcast um i was listening to another 90s album i love uh, as an adult is tlc's first of their their first two albums yes um yeah on the ooh on the tlc tip and uh crazy sexy cool yeah yeah i I said it in the right order no you you did yeah crazy sexy cool was like everywhere that was the album that had waterfalls on it and that thing was inescapable because that's a good song yeah for sure for sure yes i was listening to it recently and um andre 3000 had either he had a song on that or he like he produced the songs I was like, oh, cool. <laughs> nice. So yeah, that reminded me of that. <laughs> you guys also mentioned on the Time Capsule episode some soundtracks uh, because soundtracks were nuts in the 90s because they would all like didn't have to be music from the actual movie. It could be music, quote unquote, inspired by the movie. So like right. <laughs> every soundtrack from movies in the 90s were just like these weird mixtapes of, of random stuff. And uh, I think... One of the first ones you mentioned was um, – or one of your guests mentioned was Batman Forever. And I was like, yeah, that had a a much yes. better soundtrack than that movie deserved. 
the Batman Forever and the Space Jam soundtracks like are just oh, wild. Yes. Yeah. 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 I love the Space Jam one for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Same. I, I don't think I ever saw that movie actually, but uh, had that album. Really? You yeah. never saw that? Oh, wow. I never saw the first. I never saw either Space Jam. You probably shouldn't see the second one, but uh, yeah, that uh, that first one though that's a that's an iconic piece of '90s pop culture right there. Is, is it is it good? I enjoyed it. Okay, as a kid, when I rewatched it as an adult, I'm like, oh, I, I thought it was longer for some reason. Yeah, it's I only thought... like 80 minutes long or something. Okay, okay. Well, at least yeah. it's it's a breezy watch if nothing else. So. Mm-hmm. Emmy, what are your thoughts on the second one? Oh, uh, it made me kind of just sad and tired. Like, it's like, no, no, like, I I mean, I don't know. It's weird because in some ways it's probably like a better movie than the first one. Like the characters have more like motivation and stuff. But like, it feels like it's really like, uh, like, it feels like an infomercial for HBO Max, you know, (laughs) like it feels like, you know, it's like, Every like 10 minutes, like LeBron James and Bugs Bunny have to stop and do like a home shopping network thing about all the great like shows and movies that 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 Warner Brothers owns that you can watch on their streaming service. So it's mm-hmm. like, ah, I don't know about this. Yeah. Also, like, it's like a P- PBS pledge drive. Kind of a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, like the thing that I thought was super weird about that movie actually is in the basketball scenes, like the scenes where they're actually playing basketball. They've got all these characters in the background that are like supposed to be characters from like other movies and things. But, like, they didn't, like, just insert footage of them. They just had people, like, dress up as them. So it just looks like they're at, like, a big, like, like a Comic-Con or something. And there's, yeah, like, oh, there's, <laughs> there's a guy dressed like the Penguin from Batman Returns over there. And uh, there's some Clockwork Orange guys, but, yeah, like, not. Clockwork Orange? Why would? <laughs> it's weird. Sorry, it's, it, it's real weird. It's, it's extremely, it's extremely strange. Um, but, yeah, um. I don't know. Like, I thought Zendaya was a good Lola Bunny. I thought she did a good job with that. Uh, but yeah, uh, I don't know. It's a, yeah, it's a weird movie. I feel movie. like it has a lot of mixed reviews. Uh, I actually enjoyed it. I I do agree. Like, it at some parts, it did seem like a huge commercial. And, like, it just really um, maybe a bit too much just showed uh, WB's. Like, it was just, how do I explain it? I guess, like, exactly what you said, an info, a huge info commercial. Um, but what I did like about it, I feel like it had, I like I liked the plot um, and, like, the conflict between mm-hmm. uh, LeBron and his son and, like, that, that whole message of, uh, like, to adults, like, are you forcing your child to be someone that they're not? Uh, like, are you actually listening to their needs and wants? I, I really like that. Um, I'm also a child and youth worker, so that kind of like stood out to me. And okay, yeah, oh, okay, yeah, and yeah, no, uh, legit. I like yeah. that. In this one, they had um, female basketball players. Yeah, no, I like that too, uh, and they were cool too. Like the, uh, I like that they had like you know actual female basketball players used as like kind of the the people that they they kind of drew drew the like inspiration from for the the goon, goon squad I don't, yeah, yeah yeah and uh also like the the goon squad 
female basketball player. The one that I remember that was like the uh, the snake lady was super cool looking. Yes. Yes, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, okay. So the new Space Jam doesn't sound quite as bad as I was thinking. I just saw like a few clips where it's like, Rick and Morty are there, and I'm like, why are they in a lead? What is even happening? It is a weird movie. I mean, and it's also cheesy, but like, don't don't go in watching it with high expectations. Right, yeah. Okay. Well, all right. Well, um, we should probably wrap this up. This has been Space Jam Talk. Uh, This has been a lot of fun, actually. I've really enjoyed this. uh, Shalina, yeah. again, thank you so much for being here, um, for, for taking time on uh, Canadian Thanksgiving weekend of all times to, to yeah. chat with us. We really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, absolutely. So please tell everybody one more time where they can fa- find you if you want to be found and where they can find your podcast and everything else. Sure. So my podcast could be found on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts and um, Anchor. And um, if you're on Instagram, you could connect with me at Everything 90s Podcast. It's the numerical 90 and S. And I also recently created a Facebook group. So if you're on Facebook, you could join the group and connect with me there. And yeah, thank you so much, Link and Emmy, for inviting me on the show. Yeah, absolutely. And well, thank yeah. you so much for coming on. We, we really appreciate you being here. Thank you. So thank you again, Shalina, for joining us, um, and again, especially over uh, Canadian Thanksgiving, which I'm, I'm a little embarrassed to say. I'm not even sure I knew that uh, Canada had its own bespoke Thanksgiving until uh, uh, we spoke with her. So hey, learn something new every day. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was a really fun conversation, and yeah, um, you know, it was uh, it was cool to talk about music. Uh, the the soundtracks for '90s movies, I, I think about so often like just how how much that was like uh, the the soundtrack album was just such a thing back in those days it was not even music that necessarily appeared in these movies so um okay so on the batman forever soundtrack there are 14 tracks in there and i think only uh, of those 14 i only think four of them are actually in the movie two of them play over the credits Kiss from a Rose, is that one of the credits songs? Because I feel like that is that is the song that I think is most associated with that movie in my mind. And um, it does not appear anywhere in that movie itself. Like, I know that, like, the Flaming Lips song that's in there, uh, that appears in a scene. I remember that. Um, and I'm trying to think of what else. I thought there was one more. Oh, oh I think it's the... Um... The Offspring song, uh, Smash It Up, which is uh, uh, the Damned cover. Yeah, 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 right. Um, yeah, okay, that's in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah um, that one's in there. But yeah, I think both um, Hold Me, Thrill Me, Kiss Me, Kill Me by U2 and Kiss From a Rose by Seal are just played over the credits. But those two songs are like the big like yeah. hits from that soundtrack. Yeah, absolutely. Like those, those were both very big, especially Kiss From a Rose. The Kiss From a Rose is still... Is, is still extremely prominent, like, even today. Like, that still gets played on a lot of, uh, like, like you know, whenever you're out in public, there's a, a decent chance you're going to hear that on, like, a store's PA system or something. Yeah, you know, I'm looking over this this soundtrack again, though, like, um, oh, hey, we talked a lot about Brandy. She's she's on there. Where are you now? I remember that song. I remember that, that song. That was a good song. 
really good soundtrack for a movie that was not very good. Yeah, it's <laughs> but, true. I mean, you know, I, I don't know. I, don't know. Movie, I, I, I think mm-hmm. it's silly. It's it's kind of fun. It's, it's a good you know what? It's a good kids movie. I will say yes. that movie was the perfect Batman movie for what they were trying to make at that time, which was uh, a goofy kids superhero movie to sell toys to kids, uh, which, you know, you can say, you know, whether or not that's like that's that's a great thing in and of itself. But for what it is, I, I think it's it's a pretty good it's it's a very well made one of those. Um, also, Batman Forever has a lot of really fun uh, homoerotic subtext in it that uh yeah, that that, um, you know, I think Joel Schumacher definitely intentionally put in there and kind of just slipped something by uh, the the people at the movie studio. So you know, that's a thing in its favor. That scene where where Robin is like doing his laundry is like high camp. Like it is so funny <laughs> to me. And then, uh, and, uh, speaking of soundtracks, we were talking about Space Jam as well. And speaking of Seal, he's got like the lead single on there too. Yeah, he's got that version of Fly Like an Eagle, right? Yep. There was definitely not a bigger song from Space Jam than that. Definitely not. No, definitely not another song with some deeply unfortunate associations with a particular artist. Right. Just the seal song. That was the, that's the big one. Everybody remembers from that movie. Yes. Yeah. And, and you know, it hit him high, which has like, like what, like freaking Busta Rhymes, Coolio, LL Cool J and method man. Be real. I, I'm not actually familiar with be real, but um, the rest of those guys, like, you know, if you listen to any hip hop in the nineties, you know who all those people are. And so I, I have a question actually. Have you heard Buggin', which I bet is on that soundtrack? It is the Bugs Bunny rap song that was written by Jay-Z because it is it is a hundred percent a Jay-Z song. Like it sounds good, but it is Bub- Bugs Bunny rapping about being Bugs Bunny. And it is the weirdest thing in the world. It doesn't show up in the movie, I'm pretty sure. Uh, but yeah, they made it for that movie. <sighs> um, I have heard that song because it is on the soundtrack. It's the very last song on the soundtrack. Uh-huh. I think I listened to that once. So I was like, well, never going to listen to that one again. So, yeah, there's no reason to listen to it again. It's just bizarre because it is like quality, like lyrical craft that you would expect from like a 90s Jay-Z song applied to the worst possible thing it could be applied to. Monica's For You, I Will. I forgot that song was on this soundtrack. I forgot that's where that song came from. That's- oh, OK, nice. Because you got her confused with Aaliyah. Yeah. What did, what did Aaliyah do? I know she she had some big hits, too, right? Are you that someone? Oh, OK. All the ones I can name for her are like a little later. They're like late, late 90s, like early 2000s, because she was uh, part of the thing that's really sad about Aaliyah, uh, not to like bring this down or anything, but that Aaliyah was at like the height of her success when she like tragically died. Yeah, it was a shame. Biggest Aaliyah songs are like right from like right before that happened, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah, that was that was really sad. I'm looking at uh, the rest of this here. Uh, Oh, yeah, the Quad City DJs. They were the the come on ride the train. Yeah, that was at every middle school dance, and uh, you know that that was a hundred percent. Yeah, I know they didn't do all of these, but there are a few songs that are basically the same song. There's come on ride the train, whoop there it is, the Space Jam song, uh, who are all done by like 
some combination of the same guys that are all from like the area that I grew up in. Um, so like they were especially inescapable <laughs> there. But whoop, there it is. That one was like giant for a while. And then like nobody talks about that one anymore. That That is like the who let the dogs out of the 90s. I, I think it was like that. And then it got supplanted by like the Macarena in the same space, completely obliterated all the cultural memory of, of whoop, there it is. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll just do a nineties music podcast. Now that's going to be our new, um, podcast, not the power Rangers, uh, uh, let's play or, or whatever it was we were talking about before, which, uh, that is a thing that is a thing, or at least it's going to be a thing. That is a, that is a good idea for a game. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's interesting. I'd be curious to learn more about that game uh, and see kind of what it's, de- what this whole deal is, but but yeah, um, no, this was uh, this was fun though. Like it was, it was nice, honestly, to chat with somebody on the show for who had like a very very different perspective on '90s nostalgia. I think, yeah, than uh, than what what we what we come at it from, just because of, of their experiences. So yeah, like it it was really uh, it was really cool to to uh, have Shalina on the show, and um, yeah, everything '90s is a good podcast that. Uh, yeah, I, I heartily recommend. Yeah, yeah. So uh, she's not on Twitter, which you know, um, I that's that's smart. I I wish I could get off Twitter, but uh, <laughs> until I can convert all of my followers to Instagram followers, I'm I'm stuck there for now. But um, you can find her on Instagram, and again, I will have links to all of this. Uh, but yeah, look for uh, everything '90s on uh, on all the podcasting platforms. Yeah, this was uh, a lot of fun. I am really, really glad we got to talk to a bunch of new folks uh, for this. You know, it's always fun getting to talk to some new people. And here we are. We are now uh, 200 games deep into this SNES library. It keeps feeling like, oh, wow, we might actually do this. And then maybe, you know, in in a few years from now, we can actually move on to some other podcasts after that. But, you know, I'm, I am still enjoying this, even though, you know, we, we run into episodes where I'm just like, oh, God, I don't even know if I can get through these games. I, do we even want to keep doing this? I don't know. But now nah, at the end of the day, I'm, I'm, I'm still liking this. I'm, I like where we're at. You know, I think I've, I've mentioned before that, you know, we started out doing YouTube stuff a long time ago, none of which exists anymore, thankfully. Um, you know, we, <laughs> you know, just just trying stuff out. And, I you know, it, it took us a while, but I think we've really found our niche here with this one. Um, yeah. you know, this feels um, good. And, and, you know, I, I do want to take this opportunity to, to thank you, Emmy, because, you know, a lot of the stuff that we were doing, you know, when we first started out, you know, like you are somebody who I could trust to kind of call me out when like a joke was not cool. <laughs> and I think that helped me get to, you know, like, I, I don't think I'd have gotten to a point where, I could make stuff where it's like, I, you know, I feel good about this. I feel good that I'm still going to feel good about this 10 years from now. You know, I can look back and be like, yeah, you know, like I made something that was fun talking about stuff that I like, but also is like hopefully inclusive and not abrasive and, and, you know, is, is, um, you know, just, just something that a lot of folks can enjoy. You know, I want to thank you for that. I mean, thank you. And I, you know, I have always enjoyed making content with you and I, I, you know, love collaborating with you on, on all of this stuff. And, you know, you, you also kind of, you know, uh, push me to kind of approach things in a, in a different way than I would naturally. And, uh, I think, 
you know, the combination of us, you know, we really do, uh, I, I think, make something that I am I am very proud of. And uh, I love being a part of this show and I look forward to our continued trek through the Super Nintendo library and, you know, whatever else we, we might end up uh, doing after that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, uh, so yeah, so here's to 200 and here's to... Um uh, 500 and some odd more. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, we hope you join us next time, folks, as we, we get right back into it. And uh, until until next time, uh, I'm Emmy Zero. I'm Steampunk Link. Play it loud. Intro outro song is How Now Brown Cow by Technoax, who very generously offers a ton of great music for free and royalty free at Technoax.com. That's T E K N O A X E.com. All right, but a deal's a deal. No way. You promised. Jiggly mm. puff. Jiggly.